Week one is in the books. No Achilles is safe. Well, we're here to take you through all of the stats, all of the charts. This is Stat Chase. Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs> this is what? This is what? I'm hot. Anita hand, hand job. Fix your sight. Jamar. <laughs> Alpha play chase. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Can I use Tony? You can't handle the heat. See, it looks like we're finally at this point. You're right. <laughs> Welcome to Stat Chasing Week One. I am happy to join my host Dricko here uh, as we go through some of the stats and the charts that we put together from all of the week one games. Pretty wild week of NFL. For those of you not familiar with me and my work, uh, I am sacrilegious. I do content over at Spike Week where we focus on pretty purely best ball related content and strategy and tools. Uh, I'm pretty frequently in the Discord channel, hanging out uh, in the Deposit Kingdom channels and the Ship Chasing channel. Uh, and you may have seen me as a finalist in the Best Ball Data Bowl this year. But very happy to be joining Dricko this season for stat chasing and looking forward uh, guiding you guys through some charts. Yeah, uh, really, really excited to have you, uh, Zach. Um, was, uh, was was really hoping that you would, uh, you would accept this. So pumped that you did and uh, really excited to get into, uh, into these charts with you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, gosh, I mean, I know that every season it feels like week one is so chaotic and there's so much crazy stuff that happens that we never could have predicted. But it, it's just par for the course, man. That's what the game is that we sign up to play. Like, it's just all chaos. And there's only so much we can do, you know, spending months in the off season talking about it and projecting things. Um, it, but the rubber's meeting the road now. So it's uh, it's time to get down to business. Yeah, with <laughs> with that uh, with that uh, tr pretty good transition. Um, so we are going to start off with our QB passing efficiency and and rushing production chart. And so this uh, this chart shows two things. It shows uh, adjusted yards per attempt, which is essentially a passing efficiency per attempt metric. It bakes in, uh, it rewards touchdowns and uh, punishes interceptions. So it's it's really a kind of a pure how good were you uh, at, at throwing the ball uh, per attempt, and then at, on the other hand, we also have a touchdown rate. Uh, obviously, that uh, that is a good high touchdown rates are, are, are signs of, of good productive offenses, um, but they can also be a tell on uh, who has had a in in a, a sort of unsustainably high touchdown rate. If you see a guy with low yards per attempt and then high uh, touchdown rate, it's kind of sort of a tell of a uh, possibly an outlier. Um, and and really the, the reason that we – oh, I should also mention the size of the bubble also uh, corresponds to uh, to rushing yards. And bigger the bubble, more, more rushing yards per game. And and really what we're trying to – we're trying to sort of gauge which quarterbacks have played well which quarterbacks are playing well and uh, try and use that as a kind of gauge for uh, future performance uh, going forward. Um, and, and, and with that, uh, Zach, is there anybody here who, uh, who stands out to you? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, Lamar Jackson had a really unproductive first game. Uh, I think, and obviously, since we're only dealing with one week of sample, like a lot of this is really noisy. Um, but one thing that I think is super important is with the quantitative side of the data, we also want to be able to apply the qualitative side too. And it's, you know, it's not that one type of data is inherently more valuable than the other, but they just, it's just different flavors, you know, it, and being able to mesh the two together is how you get the best actionable takeaways. And so, for example, like when I see Jordan Love up there with above a 10% TD rate and insane adjusted yards per attempt, um, there's a couple things that I'm thinking. Number one, like, okay, Jordan Love had a pretty good week one. Now it might be the Bears defense was pretty bad. He might've just been running hot. Um, but there's at least enough signal there where I'm like, Jordan Love probably is going to be at the very least a functional NFL quarterback this season. Right. And, and Sorry, I am. Um... One of, one of the things that, that that reminds me of is that, like, the more extreme the outlier, it's, like, the more likely it's at least directionally accurate. Like 100%. 100%. Yeah, I agree with that very much. Um, because even if you say that, oh, well, he was so far above what his base TD rate is going to be on the season, like, okay, well, think of this as, you know, every data point we get is going to fall in the range of outcomes for these guys for each game. And so this just means that this is in the range for Jordan Love. And so for that to be in the range, he either has a really long right tail where this was like a major outlier for him, or maybe this isn't so, so terribly far away from his mean. And I, you know, I think he's probably, you know, at least a full standard deviation away from what his mean outcome is going to be. But I still like Jordan Love, um, you know, as a competent NFL quarterback on the season. Yeah, and 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 the way I'm sort of feeling about it is that, like, you know, if if the market would, if the market, and 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 there's various markets. There's like waiver markets, and there's uh, there's uh, there's DraftKings. There's that's uh, resurrection coming up. Yeah, and if, if the market doesn't buy that, and I'm seeing it, then like. It, it, it's a pretty that that's a pretty good sign that listen it it, it costs you nothing to take a swing at this and then um, your upside could be pretty good here and, and and something to watch out for like if we see if we're in week three and he's in that range like that that's getting pretty uh pretty bullish yeah it's a it's kind of the uh the nba jams you know heating up on fire kind of mentality if, if jordan love is doing this week after week all of a sudden we got to got to pay attention and kind of the flip side of this is market overreaction to the downside um so for example someone like Justin Fields um where we see the size of that data point you know he and that this is not a surprise to anyone we knew Justin Fields was going to run and he didn't have a great passing performance week 1 but the Packers have a good pass defense and so if people are overreacting on Justin Fields in the market and, oh, my gosh, we knew he was not going to pass enough to sustain DJ Moore and you don't really want parts of that offense, uh, you know, I'm willing to take shots on Fields um, because he absolutely has that ceiling. You know, you look at how much he rushed in that first game. The only person with, you know, a, a dot similar size like Anthony Richardson for him and, and Deshaun Watson. But uh, I mean, Field still is is dwarfing both of them. So, yeah, I completely agree. And um, one one other thing that sort of stands out to me, and it's it's not a 
it's not i guess it's not too big a surprise since the, the fantasy performance he produced at uh, stafford there at around nine yards uh adjusted yards per attempt with a zero percent um touchdown rate um that that does seem like the type of uh game where you know if, if stafford still has it he could be one of those pocket passers that um is so efficient that he he, he actually he creates uh he creates enough points for, for himself to at cost to really compete with the kind of more hybrid guys yeah absolutely and stafford's the kind of quarterback where i'm gonna be very price sensitive on him um you know, just just like guys, you know, if you think back to best ball ADP this summer, just like guys like Jared Goff and Geno Smith and that kind of range, that end of the QB window. Like, I don't I don't think it's unfair to say Stafford probably belongs in that range. But we saw this in his Super Bowl winning season, even when he was doing really well for fantasy. It was a mixed bag. There were, you know, there were about half his games where you were really happy to have him and about half the games. And that's just the nature of pocket passers of, of that. Right. You know, yeah, I, I I completely agree, and um, and then one other thing that that I'm sort of like still trying to react to a little bit, and um, was Sam Howell. I thought going into Week One that they, uh, going against like a kind of like not very strong uh, Cardinals at uh, defense, that he might look he might look even better than I was imagining him to be, and then he actually comes in sort of like sort of average. Is, is that a is that alarming to you at all? Yeah, that is it is a little concerning to me. Um, I definitely want more sample. Again, it's a it's a brand new offense for him, right? And it's not like he got playing time or reps last season. Um, so I'm still I'm leaving a light on for Sam Howell, absolutely. But this def it wasn't encouraging, you know. And I I also again only one week of data, hard to draw you know too many huge conclusions. I kind of think the Cardinals defense. I, I think they're bad, but I don't think they are going to be as bad as the market thinks that they are. Just, I mean, I didn't watch the entire game, but from the little bit that I watched and from a little bit that I saw in preseason, I think we might have oversold how bad the Cardinals are. I think they're bad, but I, I don't think they're going to be like the absolute stone worst defense in the league. There, there, there's still some NFL talent on their defense is what you're saying. Yeah. Seem, seem, seems very reasonable. And uh, so maybe a li- little bit of concern on that, uh, on Howell. Um, but maybe, uh, maybe we need a couple more games to, uh, to, uh, to re- really want to adjust aggressively. The other, the other guy I'm leaving a light on for is Kenny Pickett, you know, not a, not a great first game. I think it was, he was in the 40, like 42 pass attempts or something ridiculous and like couldn't crack 300 yards. He was like in the mid two hundreds, like two sixty or something. Um, so that wasn't ideal uh, to see, but it was a good, it was against a great defense. And then on the flip side of that game, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to hold so many Brock Purdy L's this season. It's going to be pretty painful for me. I, I did not pack enough Purdy. Um, yeah, that the offense is just really good. Um, and we'll see if that trend continues or if at some point he turns back into a pumpkin, but I'm just, I'm ready to take the L on that one right now. He's, he's probably going to be a pretty solid, you know, yeah, fringe, you know, bottom end QB one, like definitely squarely in the QB two conversation week after week. And he'll have those upside game when he, when he captures a lot of the touchdowns, you know, when it's just all passing touchdowns instead of rushing touchdowns, 
you're going to be happy to play him that week or happy he's on your team. I agree uh, with that on uh, Purdy. Um, I think I might be a little bit more concerned about uh, um, Pickett than, um, uh, than than you. And, and and some of that so obviously we've only we've only got the week one sample size. Um but if I if I'm also looking for extra data points, I go back to last year. He didn't he, he didn't play very well uh, last year um overall. And then it, as a college player, other than his senior year, he was pretty brutal. And uh, so he does he has the first round draft capital. Uh, and he did have that amazing senior year, um, but I, I I think with enough kind of like alternative uh, data points, and I, I, I'm I'm completely ready to be wrong on this. I'm I, I'm definitely uh, pretty concerned about Pickett after pretty brutal uh, first game. Yeah, one of uh, the last the last one that I really uh, wanted to bring up is if you look at Desmond Ritter. He doesn't look that bad on this chart, but right. my, my goodness, I mean, like the amount of pass attempts that that team had, if that trend holds, if if that team only passes, you know, 18 times a game or even 23 times a game or 25, like, oh my gosh, it's going to be yeah. not good. Um, so that's unfortunate as a man with a lot of Desmond Ritter. Yeah, he was definitely, he felt like a, yeah. Uh, a good um a good what you call it um a good kind of upside case given that he, he he's pretty fast he's a good athlete you've got good weapons there um but yeah very uh very very concerning yeah um, i think we need I, we need like an arthur smith head injury to unlock yeah. the ritter and um, one thing that i am saying and, and and maybe to leave some some kind of like candle on and uh, they did have like i don't know eight, 18 plays where they're ahead by more than the touchdown and um, they didn't have a single play where they're trailing and i mean i know there was definitely uh plays or, or games last year where they're wearing and trailing at uh, games grips and it just didn't matter it didn't matter but may maybe maybe it's not quite as bad. Maybe that's something where it is bad. It's definitely bad, but maybe it's not as bad as uh, uh, as week one was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there we'll need more data points to know for sure. But their schedule's pretty soft. Like I could absolutely see them getting leads in a in a lot of games this year right. and just never putting their foot on the gas. So that's concerning. Um, Eighteen pass attempts in in week one. And so I, I, I'm, I'm sort of like trying to figure this out a little bit on the fly as well. Um, and it's like, e- e- even even if what I said before was correct, um, and let's say that they, they get in more neutral scripts, you're looking at like 25 pa- at, attempts a game, um, which it's, it's, it's not really, it's not really enough. Um, yeah. When, when you look at it, when you when you look at the have offenses that are are throwing uh, plus forty, um, that uh, that that that's not really enough. And and if week one is to be believed, I mean, what was it like fifty percent or something? Target. It might have been even higher. Was it was it 
50% or 75%. I can't remember uh, target share to the running backs. Like, oh my God, we're just, we're never going to throw the ball downfield. Like right. Kyle Pitts and, and Drake London just get none and like it. Like, oh right. man. Yeah, that's, that's, that's all the that's moaning I'll do about Desmond Ritter, though. <laughs> um, so, um, the only other thing that um that I thought might be uh, worth bringing up is uh, is Bryce Bryce Young, um. So he uh, they definitely they they threw it quite a bit, um, but not on, only a small bit of a uh, rushing yardage there. And really quite poor efficiency, um. So that that that's one where I was uh, before before the season. I I I I drafted a decent amount of uh, Bryce Young just because I was like, oh well, you know, he's an early drafted rookie, and the market is so confident that he's bad. Like it f- feels like something to take a stab on the the other way, um. That that's one where I'm like, you know, like that. You need more than a week for it's more than a week one rookie rookie sample size to decide that he's bad, but it's it's definitely something I'm, I'm keeping an eye on. Yeah, I, I definitely am more optimistic about Stroud. Not that he you know he didn't look so great or anything, but they did allow him to throw. He had 44 attempts or something like yeah. that. Yeah, um, and, and so yeah. I'm definitely maybe maybe this. Uh, Houston staff is willing, hey, just let's get your reps. We're going to need reps. You know, there we got some growing pains to get through. Um, that's that's a spot. And, and also, like, Nico Collins finally did what we've been hoping Nico Collins would do for his entire NFL career. So, and Robert Woods was involved. Like, that's a, that's looking like it might shape up to be a very fine last-round best ball pick. Um, but, yeah. Like, one of those I, uh, offenses that's, that's like, not – actually good but functional enough to create these kind of late round winners 100 oh and uh sorry i the million last things um but the mac jones um that that offense i mean the thesis wasn't that hard to get behind like hey you had the stone worst offensive coordinator that's been in the league in the last two decades calling plays last year and uh it can't be worse. You know, it literally can't be worse. And Mac Jones threw for 3,800 yards as a rookie. And it's not like when he was a rookie, he had all these weapons. It was like, well, that's why he threw for 3,800 yards. It was, it's the same cast of characters, basically, you know, like it's still Devontae yeah, Parker yeah. and Kendrick Bourne and Hunter Henry. And so I think the market went way too far the other way on Mac Jones. Um, I think that's going to be, he doesn't, he doesn't even have to be good. He doesn't have to be good to crush his price. You know, like, right. what if he's better than Stroud and Dobbs and Young and Tannehill? And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think Daniel Jones is going to be putting up stinkers quite as bad as uh, this past week. But, like, what what if Mac Jones is better than Daniel Jones? You know, like, couldn't, couldn't right. that be in the range of outcomes? And, like, we were taking Mac Jones in the 18th round and Daniel Jones in the 10th round? Like, makes you think. Yeah, um, I, I definitely agree, and I, I think um, with how uh, <clears throat> efficiently priced uh, quarterbacks have been, you get an outperformance even even later, and um, it can be really helpful. So that's um, oh here we go. 
So now, um, now we've got the Orbi snaps and usage chart. And and you this gotta, gotta zoom out just a tiny bit on this one. Oh, I do. I do. I do. I do. Uh, exit. Um, cancel. Um. While you uh, while you work on getting that zoomed, uh, some of the stuff that I saw at first when I put this together was, oh my goodness, James Connor might have some of the best usage uh, for where his where he was priced in the market, and I still don't care. I <laughs> couldn't care right. any less. Um, the other one that I saw right away that I looked at was, dear God, Najee Harris. Um, Whew, what were we doing? I, anyone who has drafted Najee Harris out there, you want to tell me what we were doing, you know, with Najee in the fourth round? Like, I'm I'm pretty sure the actual, if we had a time machine and we could port ourselves to week one and see this outcome, even, even just this single data point, like, isn't the efficient price for Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, like both of them in the 10th or 11th round, like both of them right next to each other in a, you know. And, and, and so just, just to 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 uh, emphasize that point, so I think Najee Harris is probably a good one to um uh, to to kind of explain what this chart is. So this chart is essentially their rush attempts, their their roots, and and different blocking uh, snaps as a percentage of the total offense. So if you add up and, and you see um where's uh, Najee. You can see that what we're saying here is Najee was only on the field for the Steelers offense 50% of the time. And then a, a large a, a large amount of that time was actually route running, which de definitely nice. A small percentage is um uh, uh rush attempts, but um this is a 50% as you can see in, in the kind of hierarchy of uh, of starters here, it's pretty low down the totem pole, um, and not uh, not encouraging for uh, for Najee uh, drafters at all. I don't think it, it definitely th this does this does go, go a decent amount towards um, uh, I I guess the 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 bare thesis for Najee, and so uh, Sack one one thing that this does make me think. Especially with the with the high uh, root share, do you think that his overall kind of like market share on snaps was low because the uh, um, the Steelers were getting spanked raw? Yeah, absolutely. They passed what was it 75 percent of their plays were pass plays, right. and so that's definitely yeah, that's definitely a function. Um, you know that that's why you see so many routes for Najee Harris. And the other thing is the routes are encouraging to see for players that can earn targets. Um, and he's not that dude. Um, you know, like right. the last time Najee got targeted was when big Ben's noodle arm couldn't get the ball more than five yards down the field. And it had to be Najee or it had to be Deontay. And those are the only options in the passing game. And so I don't really think like, you know, if we look at Najee Harris's, routes that he's running versus say like i mean shoot dalvin cook didn't look great either but even like the dalvin cook routes like at least he got some targets you know um like i mean shoot tyler algier like tyler algier got some targets like so right. 
Yeah, it, the, it, the empty calorie brutal. routes. Empty calorie routes. He had like three expected at receiving points, uh, which is uh, it's 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 that's pretty pretty bad. He had twenty four routes uh, in all and was only able to con- uh, uh, sort of convert that into uh, three expected receiving points. Um, yeah, and so see, uh, like, even even in trail, like it used to be, like you said, in in, in the kind of peak Najee year, it used to be that uh, even in trailing scripts, he was just this workhorse. So he was going to be running routes. He's going to be targeting, targeted. So really, your own your only path to to scoring points with Najee, as it stands, what we're looking at here is that uh, the Steelers are really good. And that uh, they're they're getting Najee to go line, and he's falling into touchdowns. Yep, yeah. great. Very very well put. Uh, couldn't agree more. Other concerning points on this chart. Um, I saw Derek mentioned Derek Henry in the chat. Um, this <laughs> one is not as concerning to me. I know it looks bad here, um, but Tajay Spears is on the field to do the stuff where it didn't matter. They needed a warm body at the running back position. And now Tajay was, was involved in the passing game. He was running routes and doing things like that. Um, but I don't necessarily think it's terribly bullish for Derrick Henry. It's just, they're, they're trying to be smart with how they're using him when it's, when it could literally be anybody that they, they've got a job that they need done on a play and it can literally just be a, a warm body. They're going to keep Henry off the field. And then when it's a, you know, when they want to call his number, he's going to be in there. So um, his, his snap percentage definitely is concerning. Um, you know, it's, I, I don't think it's bullish for Henry, but it's not as, as concerning as it looks. The one that's actually concerning to me, um, and this is for a couple factors that don't show up on the chart, is Damian Pierce. Um, so we'll probably talk a little bit about this backfield uh, later. Um, but Mike Boone got like all the two minute work. Um, and so that was concerning where Damian Pierce is going to be losing out on some of those high value touches there. Um, and it's not like we expected him to be terribly involved in the pass game either, but their offensive line is just decimated. Um, you know, Thorman's line rankings show that what are they missing? Like three starters right now. And they're, they're just rolling out, you know, future bag boys at Safeway right now on the line. And so it's, I'm not bullish on the efficiency, the rush efficiency of that offense. He's getting less work than we anticipated. And it could have just been because they were getting, you know, getting beat bad by the Ravens. But the game was close for a little while. Um, and Singletary got a little bit and Boone got a little bit. I just, to me, it's not super exciting for Damian. Hey, Dead zone running back. Yeah, he. Oh, it's dude. That's the that's the hallmark. You know who else looked like a dead zone running back? Oh my goodness, Alexander Madison slappies. Where are you at? Raise your hand <laughs> if you're drafting Alexander Madison. You know, in the fifties and sixties, uh, because you're all you're all the biggest slappies if you're just doing the Madison thing there. That was like the clearest hammer it all the way until like pick eighty when he shoots up and Dalvin gets cut. And then don't touch it with a 10 foot pole because it's just, you're paying for projectable volume for a guy that's never been good. He, he is always, even in the games where he got like 30 opportunities, he wasn't good. He just like, he just got force fed carries and uh, yeah, man, not, not super excited about Alexander Madison after what I saw. I mean, the usage is great, 
But if you, you wrong. If, well, he played I mean, terrible. He played yeah, if terrible. You, if you play like that for by week 10, if Alexander Madison doesn't start turning in performances that are better than he showed in week one, you know, good luck keeping that usage. Right. That's other other dudes are coming for that work. So it, it probably helps him slightly. And I, I, I'm, I, I think on the record uh, pretty strongly as being pretty anti Madison, it probably does help him a little bit that they paid him like solid ish money. Um, but they're re they're not paying him anywhere near enough to like it for him to get away with my, so he, he had minus five points, uh, over expected. So five points under expected, uh, which means he played pretty ass. And, um, <laughs> as our friend, uh, as our friend Clay said, um, you, you it, it, it's just especially in when you get into a week uh, in, into the later weeks of the season that that's just it's not a, a helpful uh, profile and, and so I, that's probably a more helpful um nugget for let's say resurrection and um uh what you call it uh dfs and uh, battle for, royale for, re, for redraft too like for for anyone out in the redraft streets like if you can move if you can move madison i mean it's not like you got a great performance in week one to go sell high on but like if you could tell the volume story to your league mates that really love the projectable volume for running backs like you can get out from under yeah you can get out from under alexander madison here um so one of the you might feel like you're selling low um well maybe maybe you're selling high you're selling while he has the role um, and maybe he keeps a role, but if he, it, it doesn't help you. I, I would anticipate he keeps this role for longer. We're, we're all going to be frustrated with how long yeah. Madison has this role this season. Right. Yeah. Um, I agree. So if you're, if you're really trying to play it optimally, maybe you wait for a big week and you, you get off him, but I am not excited for Madison going forward. Um, w- one of the other, uh, guys on this chart who might might appear to be really attractive where this is this is just noise to me is Deion Jackson Deion Jackson looked bad he had two fumbles he really only got all these snaps um, because Evan Hole the most talented back on the roster currently uh, other than JT got injured um, and you know you got Zach Moss with a broken arm and so it's like all right Deion you're we're just gonna I guess you're the guy um so is, that, is he? I guess you're the guy. Yeah, going uh, for the next two weeks or so until uh, I. I think that Moss may be able to be back next week. Um, not that that's terribly exciting either. I, I for me, that backfield is just a stay away. Uh, yeah. For right now, because uh, we don't think he's he's the, he, we don't think he's getting this usage or he's like no, a strong no. case for this usage going forward. And no, then no. not a not a strong uh, not a strong player yeah even even if he does get this pretend he gets this usage one more week i don't care you know like uh, give me right. someone with a way less usage that could actually do something with it um so yeah and um, so excited. i know this is a, a ship chasing at um at brother pod stop chasing and um, but we can't spend the whole time shitting on uh running backs um <laughs> <laughs> Um, speaking, uh, so talking about more positive uh, running backs. So Travis Etienne and um, being top of the chart for Orby usage, um, and given how good we know he is, um, let's say, 
so he was going uh, I know he was going like let's say three four turn um maybe maybe fourth round um in uh, in in normal regular uh, best ball season um and how uh, what do you think is like an efficient ADP going into uh, um resurrection now Yep, squarely the beginning of the third, like two, three turn, right before that tier. So if you go back to where we were drafting this summer, there's that big precipitous teardrop, right? Right right at the end of the two, three turn. Um, whereas like T. Higgins is the last stop on the wide receiver train. And then you're staring down like DK Metcalf, Keenan Allen, Debo Samuel type of guys. Um and I, I think that ETN goes ahead of all of that type of wide receiver. Now the names, the names may change a little bit, you know, like Calvin Ridley now is going to be pretty squarely in the second round for receivers. Yeah. He, he was creeping up. Um, but I, I think that he's, you know, ETN's probably pretty squarely that two, three turn. Um, he, he, he's that's the first back after the wide receiver cutoff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. And my, I mean, my thesis on ETN this off season was, you heard everyone talk about how he was a zero in the passing game. He wasn't good. You know, you're really that if you're hoping for, for passing game work from ETN, you're just wish casting, you know, he wasn't even good at it in college. It just was, he was the best player on the field, but we're ignoring one important thing. These are professional athletes. They are the best in the world at their craft and believe it or not with the best coaching around them that they've ever had in their whole life they can actually improve sometimes at things that they might not have previously been great at. And so he didn't even, he doesn't need to be, you know, an Alvin Kamara level talent in the receiving game. He, he just needs to be someone that they can use in the receiving game. And uh, I certainly think he's better than Tank Bigsby in the receiving game. The concerning note for him was Tank Bigsby did get those green zone touches over him. He got the one at like the five or six and, and pushed it all the way down to the one with that big pile. And then he got the carry to plunge into the end zone right after that. Uh, and Etienne wasn't good at the goal line last season, right? Those short yardage things, that was a place where he struggled. So right. it's not all sunshine and roses for Etienne, but overall I'm trending bullish on Etienne. Um, and I, you know, I, I like guys that can deliver explosive plays like that. And if he does actually take a step forward in his involvement in the passing game, that's that's a great sign for him. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I mean, I'm sort of like, I'm actually thinking that he should, I, 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 I tend to really overreact. And, and maybe this, the, so fade my overreaction and, and stay closer to, to Sachs' more uh, modest uh, uh, or moderate uh, in in stride reaction, I sort of think that if the if that usage continues, I think he's like literally a first round value. Um, like you talk about um um sort of like ten uh, double doubles, so like ten expected r- rushing points, uh, or sorry, ten expected points from rushing and then ten expected points from passing. He was like eight and a half and eight um for yesterday. And then he had almost five points over expected. So that seems to me like a really like, like it, 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 if, and I, be, I, I sort of believe what happened yesterday. Maybe I'm biased. Um, but I, if I, if I believe that, I'm like, that's a pretty strong like case for 20 to 25 points a game. Um, which 
to me, I, I, maybe maybe that doesn't count as first round anymore. Um, but to me, that 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 feels like total total smash running back, and um, it would be really hard for me to not just click him every time in a second. Okay, maybe maybe I didn't come up high enough because when I think about it in my head, I'm like, yes, I'm taking Travis Etienne over Saquon Barkley, but I was yeah. I was moving Barkley down, but maybe I just didn't move Etienne up enough. I don't. I think first round. Where, is where would you put him versus Pollard, for example? I would still take Pollard over Etienne. We we didn't get to see a ton of Pollard just because of the absolute dog walking the Cowboys gave the yeah. Giants. Um, but Pollard is, Pollard is the that's like the ceiling outcome for ETN, right? Like, I feel like number one, the offensive line is better. He's he's going to have more yards just blocked for him, Pollard is, than ETN. Um, they both can deliver those explosive rushing plays. But Pollard, we know, is a big plus in the passing game. Like, he, he's, he's a good pass catching back. Um, and so ETN, we're, we're hoping that he's now, like, not a minus in the passing game, that he's, he's able to contribute – I think it's it's a lot to say like oh all of a sudden he went from being really bad in the passing game to being incredible like Tony Pollard is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I'm trying to think if there's someone that would be between Pollard and Etn, um, right? Or if it's just Pollard then Etn because he's he's better than Barkley. Where where do you put Chubb relative to those two? Chubb is a hard one for me. Um, I've I, I I've always found it really hard to uh, to take Chubb, um, and um, it I do find I, honestly I find it pretty strange, uh, or or not strange at all. I don't I, I find it sort of like confirmation for me that uh, after all the hype, all the all the uh, steam and such, that Chubb was now going to have this third down role that he was um um. What you call it? That he that he he was now like pure and enter bell cow territory, and um, he still he still seems fairly close to uh, to what he was before, and so I I, I feel like he's pro- he, he's like probably like a fine second round two three turn back. So. Um, so- You'd put him squarely behind Etienne and Pollard, though. That sounds like a tear break for you, almost. Yeah, I, I, I would, and that that's one where I, I probably don't play it like that in in week to week games, just because I know what Chubb can do. But in, in in season in season long, um, it does feel like the uh the sort of path for uh for uh Etienne and and Pollard to to deliver. It, it just smash performance. It does seem a little clearer to me. Yeah. So I, uh, last night, um, after I changed my pants, after the first Brees Hall run, um, I made a, a slight overreaction uh, RB tier list. <laughs> and it was Brees, tear break, CMC, tear break, then Eckler, Bijan, Etienne, Pollard, tear break. And that was that was kind of the way that I had it uh, sorted. Sounds like me. sounds like we're pretty close. Um, yeah. Sounds like we're so. Um, is there anybody else? I mean, Kenneth Walker, obviously, pre- strong usage there. We love to see that. Um, Bijan, decent usage. Is there anybody else on on this chart that you want to 
Oh, I mean, we, we can't bury, bury Kyron news um, because Kyron's, Kyron is the back there. Like, I mean, yeah, Sean, yeah, Sean McVay tall. hates Cam Akers and has, has been pretty vocal about that he doesn't like Cam Akers. And, uh, and we, we had the drumbeat from Kyron all the way through last, you know, last offseason. We're getting the Kyron yeah. drumbeat. And the team, the team told us exactly how they feel about their backs. And then they went out and showed us what they want to do mm-hmm. with them. So I would just say now Kyron is, he's a sub athlete. He's not right. You know, it's not going to be anything terribly exciting, but if he gets, he's the a coach's usage, son. yeah, he's a coach's son and he's a, he's like a low end RB two for me where it's like, I mean, at his pri- where he was going, like, Oh my God, what a, what an absolute gem. Yeah. You know, if you, if you drafted Kyron, like congratulations, um, that's looking really good. But and uh, so- is it, it? I guess the question is. So obviously, it we 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 love what we see and great outcome for the the late round drafters. And the two questions I would have is, um, is, is Kyron someone where you, you when when you're bidding on waivers that uh you just like you know what I don't care if I have to pay 70 percent, I'm just gonna do it. And then other similarly, uh, let's say I know he's cheap. He's, he's, he's going to be super cheap on uh, uh, DraftKings next week. And let's say he's projecting for like 60% ownership. Like th- those are two different questions. I know I, I, like what, a, what are, what are you doing on bids? And, and, and are, are, are you jamming them at, at high ownership? Cause I know you're uh, an avid and, and good DFS player on, uh, on waivers for Kyron. It depends largely on my team, right? If I'm in need of a running back, that's a guy where I'm like, hey, this is not a zero this week. <laughs> this is a guy <laughs> where I can plug this in and have some points. It, it might not be so terribly sexy, but, you know, I, I've got a redraft league with some buddies where, you know, I, I just lost J.K. Dobbins. I'm sitting on DeAndre Swift and uh, Rashad Penny. And uh, my only good running back is Brees Hall. I, you know, I've got, got a Sean Tucker stash in there, but, like, on a team like that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pay up for Kyron. I'm probably not getting to 60, 70%. I, I want to save that, like, hypothetically. I would never wish this, um, but hypothetically, say Austin Eckler misses extended time. Mm-hmm. I'm going 60, 70% on Josh Kelly, right? Right. Um, that's that's uh, the kind of play where I'm going to put the chips yeah. in the middle. Kyron, Kyron is more like a, if you need him, you might go to 30, 35%. Um, and, and waiver, I mean, like, make makes total sense to me. And then, I, I was kind of pushing you a little bit there because this chart is so bullish that <laughs> I know that so many be like, oh wow, like I, I just jam them, and then um, maybe maybe you you want to take a step back from there just with the athleticism, and and then if, if that's where you're at, it sounds like you're not uh, playing about uh. Sixty uh, percent. Uh, I'd have to look at the whole slate for DFS. It really depends on you know everything uh, and how okay. how it balances out together. Um, but if he's like a legitimate free, if he's Stone Men and he's free square, I can't remember who the Rams. Who do the Rams play next week? I don't know either. Yeah. Uh, I- anyway, I uh, I mean, I I'm probably not super excited to play him at 60% in tournaments, you know, but he, he definitely could be like a cash game play um, just with strong right. usage at that price. Yeah. I, it was more like a, yeah. 
what I was trying to get at was like, do you think um, it's something where he, he, he can get, he, he can act, deliver you the smash performance and, and, and you're not really worried about the downside? And it sounds like there is maybe uh, uh, maybe some, some, some concern there that this, this is week one and we could, we could definitely still get sort of like a down-to-air game. Um, yeah, where Cam Akers comes up in usage, or he just plays bad. Yeah, I I could I definitely see the downside for Kyron, um, but I I think for the most part, like that's a quality waiver pickup, and you know, obviously, totally paid off it. He paid off his draft costs already. He gave you one. Yeah, game, for you sure. know, like, for there sure. You go. Um, I don't um. Yeah, I, I feel like we, we, we've talked about just everybody here that we wanted to. Was there anybody else? I guess the Jamal Williams stuff, um, that's that's a role. That's a role that's there for the taking. Um, so if Kendra Miller's on your waivers, that's a, that's a shot I'm taking. Um, you know, you got, you got two good chances before Kamara comes back. And I'm... I think Kamara is closer to going the way of Dalvin Cook than, you know, being his old self. So who who knows? Maybe Kendra has a good path even once Kamara gets back if the competition's not too terribly stiff. Um, but, man, Jamal Williams got a good amount of work and did absolutely nothing with it. So <laughs> it's it's wide open and it's a there's work there to be had. So that that was one. I mean, if you look at the – it's right there with James Conner. Like, woo. That's a lot of right. usage. Um, so if, if Kendra could come in and take that as a 21-year-old running back who we, we like the profile, that could be exciting. Jamal Williams chart disguised as a Kendra chart. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, so now we go to the, uh, the sort of backups, the quote-unquote backups uh, running backs. Um, so, um, I mean, Tajay Spears, we, we, we did t- touch on him, uh, JK Dobbins, uh, of course well, yeah, he, he, he got hurt. And then, um, Jerome Ford it is, uh, I, I think he's interesting here. Um, where, um, I, 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 one thing that I've sort of observed of the Browns is that no matter who they have at running back, they always want to have some kind of committee. And, like, it doesn't really matter if you know who the uh, who the running back's name is, who's going to be the RB2. That, like, the RB2 is going to have some kind of role. It's never going to be an 80-20. Or at least it, it's very rarely been for this coaching staff. Um, so I think he's... Um, He's definitely he's definitely a little interesting there, as a uh, pretty good. I, I mean, how many he, he'll be available in home leagues? Probably not too many. Um, uh, uh, high stakes sort of like deeper leagues, um, but definitely that feels like a pretty um, pretty decent um, pretty decent value there if you got him. Probably not playing him in DFS. Um, can't imagine he's available on too many wires, like I said, but. Interesting. Uh, in, I think he, he is an interesting play for getting, uh, for filling, sort of filling it like an RB2 spot uh, where you're just sort of getting points. 
He did. He did get a lot of mop up duty after the game was out of hand. I think eleven of his fifteen okay. carries came after the game was totally done. I think it was like in the fourth quarter. But um, you're, I, I agree with you though that he's he is the clear RB two, right? He's he's the only running back that took any snaps on offense other than Nick Chubb. Um, Pierre Strong played special teams, so Jerome Ford's the RB two. Don't worry about Pierre Strong. Um, and so he's definitely the handcuff in the event that anything were to happen to Chubb, he misses any time. Right. Um, and he's, he's fine. You know, uh, there, there might just like, I, I think it's probably going to be a lot closer to how Kareem Hunt was last season, where there's almost no week where you actually feel good if you do choose to start him. But there's like two weeks where he, he pays off or he's, he's fine, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. as, a, as a standalone value, but yeah, it's definitely it's a stash, it's a bench stash for sure, and redraft a good handcuff option. Um, definitely, I mean, it, very very clear signal that he's the RB two on that team. That that's a that's definitely yeah that's definitely fair. Um, so what else stands out? I I think it's interesting that you see uh, a couple of bears at uh, running backs here. Obviously, you had a you had Roshan. Um, he had a lot. He, he he had a lot of high efficiency, so he actually delivered quite a good week. Um, but I think it 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 is at least interesting that you have this uh, pretty clear three way split. Um, like where you have actually no, I I just missed Herbert there. Herbert, Roshan, and Dante there, all in the uh, in the backup running back chart, and. It, it it does feel like you, you you need someone to either uh, separate or um someone to get injured. The for, uh, the a lot of the Roshan work came kind of in garbage time. Um, oh, so I think that the garbage time stuff again. It, it would help my games. <laughs> it's that's that uh, you know quantitative and qualitative flavors. You know we gotta gotta get a little bit of both. You know two scoops. Um, but uh, I, I do think that. You're likely looking at Khalil Herbert and Dante Foreman uh, at least early in the season. It's not like I, I think Roshan could absolutely carve out more of a role um, as we go on. Uh, he, he looked fine to me. I mean, I, I don't know ball, but uh, he looked fine. So you, you you think that in more neutral scripts, uh, it's, it's, or, or, or what you're saying is in, in more neutral scripts, it's Herbert and uh, Dante. Yeah, yes. Um, not, that's it. I think that's interesting and, and makes sense for sure. Um, I don't think Roshan gets no snaps in neutral scripts, but I think you know quite quite a bit of his work came in garbage time. In got it. Got it. And, and in a week two, if if a different you know if it plays out differently, if Roshan's on the field more, it, maybe maybe it just was. Hey, when we're when we're really needing to pass a lot, we like Roshan as our passing down back the most. Um, that. I mean, you, you can kind of see, look at his pass blocking. Like, I think right. that's that does tell a little bit of the story as well. Like, he is the guy they prefer to use in that long down right. distance, potentially. So, um, and so, um, I know with the range that Herbert sort of crept up to, uh, late in the season, that um, he might he might have um, if if a team got if a drafted team got an injury or something like that. That he'd be, he'd sort of have would have been in consideration for uh, starting as, as running back two, um, 
I mean, that this is the sort of thing that would make me say, oh, okay, you know, actually, uh, on, on, unless things get really uh, sort of dire at running back, I, I'm not feeling good about starting uh, Khalil Herbert right now. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be super excited to plug him in. Not not with much confidence right now. You know, I I it's almost like, am I? It's still Herbert for me. But would I do Hubbard or Herbert here? You know, right? Um, yeah. Um, I think I think that is an interesting uh, differentiate or, or, or comparison point where um. Yeah, I, I do feel I do feel like and, and unless I'm, I'm I'm completely missing somebody, um, you have a a little bit more there with with, with Chuba, with the fact that it's it's a bit more of a uh, sort of like two back split, um, and so he only has one back to compete with to to, to increase his, his his snap share, um, and uh, what you call it, I think the Panthers will. Are probably pretty likely to throw a good deal more, so maybe uh, have more pass attempts. So that one, that one does feel like a, a definitely a slight edge to Chuba, to me. Yeah, I, I think they're close, but you know, it, it's it's pretty uh, interesting. Where after we get one, you know, one week's worth of data, a lot of stuff, especially in those later rounds, like yeah. The, the prices that we had been paying for guys, like it starts to become clear, you know, Hey, we had, we had the wrong read here. We had too much confidence here or there. And that's right. I mean, that's just why, you know, picks after a certain point aren't, aren't worth anywhere near as much as our early picks. Cause the degree right. of confidence we can have is so much lower. So. Um, right. I, I agree there. And, and I think what you're alluding to there is that Chuba went a good bit after uh um, Herbert, um, so it is is in, is interesting that they're at least close. Yeah. Um, is there anybody else here that, that you want to um, talk about before we? They'll they'll so show we, up on. I would say we do have we do have two more uh, running back charts. I was gonna say they'll show up on the next chart, so I'll save it for there. Okay. Yeah. Good call. So here we have our uh, so this is our expected fantasy points and efficiency. So on the on the kind of bottom um, horizontal axis here we have rushing expected points, and then on the on the to the left here we have our receiving expected points. And you see these lines that go across. So this line here represents a total expected points of uh, fifteen expected points. And so you have Bijan here, who's sort of like eight-ish and seven. That's how he gets a fifteen, um, and it, 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 and then also the size of the bubble is their uh, point over expected. The bigger the bubble, you see DMC here, and a lot of a point over expected. And then you have um, let's see, uh, Jalen Warren, which definitely disappointing for the uh, for us so far. Is uh, is low um low and uh, points over expected. Uh, I mean, you can you can look at the hallmark low points over expected guys: Jamal Williams, Alexander Madison. Those, those yeah. are very uninspiring. Um, I mean, obviously McCaffrey stands out huge. You can see uh, 
Josh Kelly, Josh Kelly ran hot on, uh, you know, get a TD there, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he, he looked good. Um, and yeah, if Eckler were to miss any time, that's a very, very exciting, uh, potential ad there. Um, some of the other ones that stood out for me, um, you've got Gus Edwards way down there. Um, and that's, that's because Gus is getting the low calorie stuff, man. That's, that's the guy where, Hey, between the twenties, we want to run someone's face directly into a 300 pound man a couple times, um, just establish it. That's, that's the Gus job. Um, so he's an absolute zero in the passing game, right? Like he's not going to be involved there. Um, and, and that is a wrinkle that I, you know, we, we saw a little bit in week one, how many targets did Dobbins? It was Dobbins three targets before he got injured. Like that's a lot for, for what Dobbins right. had put up in his career. So I think it's pretty clear signal that, uh, this offense wants to involve the running backs in the passing game more, and they're doing more stuff at and around the line of scrimmage as well, um, just in the mm-hmm. way they manufacture touches uh, for Zay Flowers. But, uh, yeah, Edwards is one where I wanted to point that out um, because we'll see his backfield mate on the next chart. Uh, by the way, the way these charts are divvied up, because we're going to have two charts that are both the running back expected fantasy points and efficiency chart. There's too many backs to display on one chart. It just gets too noisy. So it's literally just a split between odd even on the guys in the rankings on the fantasy points over expected. So it, we're, we're just oscillating that way. One chart doesn't get all the all the scrubs and one gets all the stars and they get all clumped together. So explain, sorry. Um, what did you say is the difference between this and the next one? Yeah, they're just, they're just ranked um, by fantasy points over expected in a list. And then I just, Oh, oh God, I got it, got it. So the next chart, first is, chart is the even chart. The next one's the odd chart. So that way you get good and bad running backs on both. Charts. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Not gotcha. gotcha. In one chart or something. Makes, makes sense. Makes sense. So that, that, that's, um, just for anybody who used to the way it was done last year, last year was AFC and NFC. And um, this year it's sort of a random sampling uh, in both. Um, just be, just because like, like Zach said, you, you, you need to be able to see some of the details here. Yeah. it got a little too clumped with uh, the divisions. So I wanted to do it this way, spread it out a little bit. More. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think that makes a, a lot of sense. Um, a guy that I, I mean, this shouldn't be a state secret or anything, but like Jameer Gibbs um, could with, with only, what was it? 26% snaps or something like that. Like that's Mm -hmm. a, that role is going to increase, you know? Um, And I mean, my goodness, he's, he's one, you know, trip over his own shoestring away from scoring a touchdown in that game um, and putting me in solo first place on the showdown. (laughs) We're not going to dwell on it. Um, no, I, I think Gibbs is one where we definitely are going to see him ascend. Um, Montgomery got like an inordinate amount of the high value touches that game. Right. And I just don't, I do not think that the running back they drafted with early first round capital, who is specifically a passing game specialist, is going to see passing game work to David Montgomery at the rate that he did in week one. I think that was purely like, that's the Lions, the Lions do a lot of stuff like, you know, the good old fashioned boomer organization, like they're, they're mm-hmm. not, not the same as, as some of the more boomer organizations, but they definitely have that, uh, you know, rookies are going to earn their keep. I guess, unless your name is Sam Laporta, my goodness, we'll talk about him when we get to tight ends. But um, yeah, I think, 
I think Gibbs was mostly a function of like, we're going to kind of get you some reps here, but we're not going to overload you early. Um, but I, I right. can see that Easing you into your at your first week in the NFL. Absolutely. And so um, question then, would you um, – did game one and, and what we're seeing here, does that push you up or down on uh, where we were drafting uh, Gibbs in uh, in best ball season? For me, it, it had already – the price had already started to get a tiny bit frothy on underdog mm-hmm. in, in yeah. half PPR. Um, just like him creeping into the late third round, I didn't think was – correct there like he shouldn't have been going ahead of etn you know um, yeah that was that was one where i was pretty constantly and doing turn in uh, ffbc as well which yeah that that was also frothy but like on DraftKings, where he would go at and he did he crept up on DraftKings near the end of the season too but he was he was like a consistently into the third round or beginning of the fourth on DraftKings for a while in full ppr and that's one where i was i was packing the bags um so I don't my my take on him my my like assessment of where he fits in the market hasn't really changed. I think he's really good. I think you know the the downsides to him are it's going to be the same stuff that we saw with Swift. Like the fantasy community is going to be frustrated. He's not getting more work. He'll get plenty more than he got in week one. Um, yeah, he's just too good of a player for them to deny that. I mean how many tackles that he, he broke like seven tackles or something. Like, right. It was an absurd number. He's, he's so good. If you, if you didn't watch the game, um, go, go back and just watch right. the, if you didn't watch one NFL, then uh, the, the opening day game, man, what, what are you doing with us nerds? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. I, I bet the number of people that are listening to this show and, Miss the game. I don't think <laughs> I, I, I'm only joking. I think another thing that's interesting about Gibbs and um, on resurrection is that correct me if I'm wrong here, but resurrection starts week six. And so it if and if and when it opens, ho- hopefully this week, maybe next week, if and when it opens, uh if if there's any kind of discount on uh on, on Gibbs because he started off so anemic. Um, it might actually be the cheapest that you get Gibbs available because um, it, it'll draft up until that until it, it closes before week six, and hopefully, and, and maybe maybe I'm just wrong here. In in line with your what you're saying, it it, it sort of creeps up as the week goes on, and I, so I by, so by the time you get what what you're actually getting is week six through seventeen uh, Gibbs. Which um, could be a whole lot, which should be a whole lot better than uh, weeks one through five. Yeah, very, very well put. Um, I, I would say that if if you give me Jameer Gibbs like in the mid to late fourth, I will have one hundred percent Jameer Gibbs <laughs> resurrection. Like I, I will literally have one hundred percent if he's going there. Um, you know, I, I think into into the third, beginning of the fourth is probably right about right for him. Um, just because the we'll get a little more clarity. That wide receiver tier was so so flat during the summer. Um, now I think we'll get that big giant tier broken into a couple smaller tiers. Now that you know, like bye bye mm-hmm. Christian Kirk. Like that was unfortunate uh, that I drafted some Christian Kirk in the fifth round. You know, like that that one's gone. He's out of that tier. Right. Uh, you know, and sometimes Brandon, you make bad picks and we, we it, yeah. it, it's time to move on. 
Yeah, Brandon, Brandon and Ayuk will get steamed up, but you'll that those tiers will crystallize. They'll they'll be a lot more clear. And so I think Gibbs is gonna, depending on how those wide receivers land, he's either gonna be right before um, like the next tier of wide receiver after that third round group. Uh, I, I think like DK Metcalf still probably goes in the third round there, like into the third round, um, and Keenan Allen is still probably around there, right? Um, but in that chunk of guys, I think Gibb goes right after that. And then depending on the quality of the receivers that make it into that next tier, he's either right after that very next tier receiver or he's before that one. That's kind of my read on it. Um, and if the market disagrees with me and puts him later, I'll see y'all in week 17 with 100% Gibb. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I couldn't agree more. Um, so uh I know we're, we're an hour in and uh, we're on that uh, chart four. Oh, um, no. <laughs> um, before, but before I move on, is there anybody here who think we can't, that uh, we, we just, we, we'd be criminal to, uh, to, to go without talking about. Oh gosh. Um, I mean, Kenneth Walker was, uh, that, that was one where I saw that and I, felt like okay like his, he was he's priced relatively reasonably um i think mm-hmm. what you're paying for with kenneth walker has always been the breakaway touchdowns right yeah um, kenneth walker is like diet etn that's a zero in the passing game yeah right um so that's kind of the way that i look at him um but yeah he he's one where i was uh more encouraged than discouraged by week one. Charbonnet just didn't work in a ton, and that'll that'll change as the season goes on. I'm sure. I'm sure Charbonnet will get more run. Um, I know DJ Dallas got some snaps. I don't know how sticky that is. Um, it, I, I kind of I tend to think that it's going to trend more towards just the Kenneth Walker and Charbonnet show. I think DJ Dallas might have been eating Charbonnet snaps more than anything. Um, event, you know, eventually how it'll shake out. Um, but that was one where, yeah, I, I felt like Kenneth Walker was uh, was appropriately priced. Yeah, make that makes sense for sure. Where, um, it's a uh, what you call it. He's um in that ten to ten to fifteen range, um, but with some efficiency, you can get some big time games. Um, so yeah, let's uh let's move. Oh. Let's move on to our uh, our odds charts, and yeah. So so looking at it here, um, the the big temptations would be to like, oh wow, at uh, Tyler Algier, bell cow, <laughs> um, but I, I I don't I don't I don't think that's necessarily right. Um, I think he's uh he, he he's sort of interesting as as an early season play, um, but. Uh, I I guess he he did play quite well, um, but it it is it's sort of hard to to see him like truly holding off a talent like uh like Bijan for a full year. Yeah, I I think that Tyler Algier is going to do to Bijan not in the same way, but not not to the same magnitude rather. But he he's going to be a thorn in Bijan's side the same way that David Montgomery is going to be a thorn in Gibbs' mm-hmm. side. That team wants to use both those running backs and they will both get an absurd amount of work if week one told us anything and if last season told us anything. So for people that drafted Tyler Algier when he was in like the 150s, 160s, congratulations. That was way inefficient of a price. Um, 
he's he's gonna continue to get work regardless of how good Bijan is. He might do or, or Bijan might do to Algier what Algier did to Huntley last season, where you know, over the course of the season, we're gonna see Bijan carve out more and more work. But I think Algier, I mean, especially at the the early stretch of the season, he's he's very attractive. He's I, I would I would consider Algier like an RB2 lock it in pretty much every week, just the way that offense wants to operate. Okay. So so you think it's just gonna it, it's sort of like um stay pretty much in touch with the way that the way that the, the offense used both players is gonna stay pretty much in touch. Uh, throughout the year, uh, it, it's going to trend towards Bijan certainly. But like, if you look at how many opportunities they both got, it's a right. plenty of opportunity. You know, I, I think you're looking at both of them being locked in for 15 opportunities a week, um, and they were both. In, Algier got a lot of passing game work too. They're both involved in the mm-hmm. passing game. Um, and to can you imagine? I need you to close your eyes, and I want you to imagine Arthur Smith being okay with them running a pass play inside the five yard line. <laughs> like, does that ever happen? Does this team score a passing touchdown in the green zone? Yeah. I sort of see that where it's an offense that's like, so uh, it's so rich for running backs that him just having a share, it is quite valuable. Um, but, um, yeah, um, I, I guess you were never, you were never, um, you were never having to pay pay a bell cow price, um, no, I don't know, you're never gonna get like, you're never gonna get somebody in, in a trade or whatever, or, or maybe you will, but probably a hard ask to get somebody to pay, like, uh, a high, uh, a high player return in a trade, um. Where, where where would you draft him in uh, in resurrection? Like uh, he's like a solid, you know, end of the night. Like, is it ninth? Gosh, it might it might be. It's got to be higher than that. I was thinking like I was, I was just like ninth. That feels yeah. about right. And you just disagreed with me. I know. Maybe gosh, maybe it's like <laughs> is it like late seventh, early eighth? I don't know. I I just let, it, let me ask you this: It is um. Is Tyler Algier in the seventh? Is is that a, is that a dead zone pick, or is that something where, no, no, he he, if you get him seven or eight, you, you, no, you're you, you're really happy with that pick. I I mean not to to make the same comparison again, but I really I look at it like I looked at David. I was happily clicking David Montgomery mm-hmm. at his price right all off season. I that's behind a really good offensive line. They want to run the ball. And, uh, you know, we saw last season Jamal Williams ran hotter than the sun on touchdowns. But, like, right, they, that offense can score rushing touchdowns, and they are happy to give work to their running backs. And it's the same thing in Atlanta. They have a yeah. good running game. They, they want to give work to the running backs. So I think you can – I think the Algier to Montgomery comparison is, is pretty good and pretty close to how I would view right. both of their prices. And, and to be fair, uh, Tyler Algier is probably compares better. He's younger, um, I'm pretty sure. I know he was an old uh, rookie, but he is a second-year player, and um, he played he played well, whereas Monty played not well. Yeah. Um, so, 
maybe yeah uh, maybe um um david montgomery plus is like a good way to i well uh i know that's what we're saying maybe maybe top, uh monty plus is a uh, good way to look at him yeah another one i wanted to bring up here is uh josh jacobs i mean from week one elite usage um you know, they, they're putting the ball in his belly, but uh, he did turn back into a pumpkin a little bit on the efficiency front. Last season, he was just otherworldly. I mean, he wanted that bag. Um, but, uh, and I don't know if this, you know, could just be week one, small sample size. I don't know if the trend holds, but uh, I'm like, I'm like slightly concerned that uh, Josh Jacobs is just going to be like absolute crap ton of volume, not terribly efficient. He didn't have a, a ton ton of uh expected points in the receiving game um you know like you, you see etn with more expected yeah. receiving points than him you see uh you know he, he's he's like right about in line with aj Dillon. um so slightly slightly concerned about jacobs i mean he's still he's gonna get so much work um that it's probably fine though yeah um and uh, one way that i like to look at the uh the overexpected um is i like to try to like break the it into yardage and touchdowns and obviously you have to be very careful with the clips because we're dealing with very small sample sizes and um, but one thing that does seem pretty notable is that of his like uh i think he was um like minus 11 or so um in um in expected points um 9.4 of those was in touchdowns, was in getting a goal line uh, touch, touches and, and not scoring. Yeah. And, and that does feel like something that might be um, a week one thing where uh, if you think if you think the Raiders offense is, is better than uh, than the market was giving credit for, and I, I think we've gotten an indication that it is, and that they will be making uh, trips to the uh, to goal line, and that they're going to continue to feed them there. And I think uh, maybe, I I think there is a case that his, uh, his, I guess, rest of season points outlook is is maybe a good bit better than what his week one stats look like. But um, having said that, I probably wouldn't be too far away from you in terms of pricing him. And, I probably I, I I probably still need a, a decent discount to his uh, his best ball season ADP to uh, to be drafting him. I, I'm, Josh. I'm Jacobs, yeah. Jo- Josh Jacobs or Saquon Barkley? Oh, uh, Josh Jacobs. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, sorry. I I I I did the thing where um, I said to you, uh, oh yeah, let's make sure we we, we use the names. And when we're talking about players, and then I just had talked about, I just said him. And so, yeah, Josh Jacobs, um, at lots of goal line touches, did not convert him. And that's usually volatile. And even though I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not drafting him. And um, but if I were somebody who was uh, um, quite bullish on him going into the season, and um, may, maybe that doesn't push me quite off of that, uh, that opinion. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I should have been more clear with my question. I was saying, who do you prefer, Josh Jacobs or Saquon? Oh, Barkley? oh, or Saquon. 
Um, oh, okay, okay. Um, who do I prefer? Um, you're gonna have to give me a second. Um, so honestly, probably, uh, probably Jacobs. I, th- I think it's close. Um, I mean, the only like modicum of success the Giants showed against the Cowboys was those early runs where, you know, they were able to get a little bit of, of Barkley up the middle going for them. Um, the uh, a- anything outside was not great, but uh, they looked like they they could at least, you know, get some yards created up the middle with their run blocking. Um, so I'm. But yeah, I felt like that was a. Those guys are probably. I think they're in the same tier. Would you consider them same right. tier? Yeah, yeah, they are. They are. Um. Yeah, I I think they are. They're definitely in the same tier. And um, the only thing I would say is, um, like, and and maybe 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 it was was did Saquon have the thing where he he came off the field just because uh they were getting smashed so much. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the game, um, yeah, okay. Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones still had to stay in there and get his turds pushed. <laughs> Saquon got to go get nice and cozy on the bench and put his parka on and get out of the rain. I, I just can't dude. Daniel Jones did something to, <laughs> to upset that coaching staff. He, he kicked someone's dog or slept. With well, someone's they, they were dog. like, you know what? We're paying you all this many million dollars. You are we we you are just gonna take this punishment and, and like it. He he took a lot of it, man. That was that was so, uh, gratuitous. So maybe I'm I, I'm just I'm I'm trying to think maybe um Saquon probably is one where it's a little bit harder to uh to really gauge where uh, where he's supposed to go. Um just because we we didn't have a proper game script. Yep. Um but yeah, maybe um, I, I'm flip flopping a bit here, and just because I'm I'm trying to think through it, um, but may, maybe the, the kind of indication that we got that he he, he definitely still has some juice, um, and if they consider if they if they will continue if they continue to like give him um the the sort of usage that he got last year with maybe uh maybe better receiving, then absolutely he's better than uh than Jacobs. But I do think we definitely sort of got more more week one bullish signals with the usage and the goal line work from Dave, uh, Jacobs than um, than uh, uh, Saquon. I, I do want to before we move on. I wanted to bring up one more uh, back here. Um, yeah. So so we've got James Connor and Rashad White, two guys that were drafted really close together all off season. They both landed that 10 to 15 expected fantasy points band here. Um, and I know you've you've got some thoughts on Rashad White's backfield mate that I wanted to let you uh, expand on here a little bit. <laughs> I, I pretty yeah, pretty straightforward. Um, I think that uh, Rashad White has um, now given us a, a, a decent he, he gave us a, a, a season one sample size or sample. That he's pretty bad, and um, he played really bad in uh, in week one, and um, 
I, uh, I, I, I like like you alluded to. I do like um, Sean Tucker quite a bit. Um, so the fact that he played fairly well uh, and um, uh, White played poorly, that 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 does make me yeah pretty interested. Um, and in terms of like where I'd price it, um, I think one of the thing one of the concerns going into the year was that oh well what if they only see Tucker as a rushing guy and um, they're bad the, the the offense is bad and um it, like you, you just don't want to rush her in that type of environment i think um the Tampa Bay offense was like good enough for that type of back to be quite a good bit interesting and um if I mean, it's one of those things. Like, when 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 does the flip? It has to flip eventually, uh, or sorry, you feel like it has to flip eventually, but um, it's hard to predict when. Um, so, I think I, I I'm probably quite comfortable uh, taking Tucker, maybe, um, and, and this is probably pretty aggressive. Maybe twelve through fourteen round now. I was then, uh, I was right there with it with you in the twelfth round, so I don't think that's too aggressive at all. Okay. Because uh, okay. he's let's just let's hypothetically say he just takes Rashad White's lunch. He that's he he's, yeah, that's, that's he's the of. captain. He's the captain now. Um, he he gets the same opportunity. He's not fallen in this ten to fifteen expected fantasy point band. The only reason Rashad White you know fell here was he he couldn't do anything with it. You know, like, right? Sean Sean Tucker could easily be. I think your your bull case for Sean Tucker is he he starts to break into that fifteen to twenty expected fantasy point band, and so that's a guy where I want to take a shot on. Um, and then I know we're we're just spending all the time in the world on every chart, but there is one guy. I mean, yeah. he was the thumbnail on the show. We got to talk about Justice Hill with J.K. Dobbins being injured. I already spent some time uh, shitting on Gus Edwards' uh, inefficiency, or, or I guess inefficiency of uh, or efficiency in the past. He, but no longer, you know, is this twenty-eight going on twenty-nine-year-old plotter going to be the guy that you want in this backfield where they want to involve backs in the passing game? So, I mean, if you've seen me talk about Justice Hill at all this off-season, you know that I'm the captain of the Justice Hill fan club. Um, but a big part of the thesis was he's the, he's literally the only guy at OTAs that was going to make the 53 man roster getting snaps. And mm -hmm. if, if you believe the beat reporters, they were saying that Todd Munkin loves him. He, he wants to have him be super involved in the passing game. Um, you know, the, it's a player that they really like. Uh, and then you fast forward and you get to training camp. And he's still one of the only guys that's actually out there getting reps. You know, Dobbins was doing the yeah. hold-in thing. Gus Edwards wasn't totally healthy. It's the Justice Hill show. Um, and Justice Hill, he doesn't profile as the kind of guy that can get a bell cow workload, nor nor do I even think it's in. It's not in the range of outcomes for him to get right. all the work. But you don't need that with a play like this. Um, I always saw Justice Hill thesis as the Jer same Jarek McKinnon thesis that I had the season prior, which was this guy's going undrafted in the 18th round. He is, you know, in a semi-ambiguous backfield for the Ravens. I didn't think it was terribly ambiguous. It was JK Dobbins is a dude, but the RB two was ambiguous. 
Mm-hmm. I think the offense has a chance to be the offense that scores the most touchdowns in the NFL. They want to involve their backs in the passing game. And this guy could get a lot of high value touches. And uh, that's, that's the thesis. He's, he's like 190 pounds. He's not, he's not some world beater or anything. Right. But he, he has a but plus It was interesting athlete. that he got goal line touches, right? Uh, yeah, he like, got goal line like yeah. back. So you feel comfortable about getting receiving usage. And then when, uh, when Dobbins was down, he was the first one in on the goal line. Yep, and he got two goal line touches. It was and and it's not like you know they forgot about Gus. They brought Gus Edwards in for a you know a two point conversion, and then it was like all right, but when it's time for the real money, let's get Justin <laughs> Hill on the field for the TDs. And in the preseason, we saw him deliver splash plays. Like he's explosive. He's fat. I'm just I'm all in Justice Hill, man. That like, right. That's a that's a league winner for me. Go go put all the money in the middle on him and waivers. That's that's the one you want this week. So, it, it, am I right in surmising that he's sort of like a uh, you're uh, he's sort of like an Eckler light, like that's that's what you're shooting for. Well, that would that would be like his his best. Yeah, outcome. yeah, so that, be that's probably best best outcome. But like I, even I even though he's only 190 pounds, you still get outcomes where like. He's heavily involved in the passing game, and he, he's quite involved in the goal line. I, I look at it as what would you pay to get that six-game stretch that we got from Jarek McKinnon at the end of last season? What would you pay for that? And and we don't, you know, maybe maybe Justice Hill manages to string it together for longer. Maybe he does only get right. like a six-game stretch because he can't hold up. He's only 190 pounds. He's had injury issues in the past. Maybe they bring in another bag, oh, trade for JT, whatever. But what would you pay for that six-game stretch where he's dropping multiple 30-point games? And it's right. on the back of touchdowns. It's not that Jarek McKinnon was out here racking up all these yards. It's, dude, dude just got a couple touchdowns because offense is good, and they throw the ball, you know? Yeah, it makes sense for sure. And and like you said, uh, we couldn't uh, we couldn't do it, we couldn't do it, uh, this without mentioning the Cobra boy. Um, so let's move on to tight ends. Uh, I'm going to change the zoom on this a little bit. And so um, what we've got here is we've got sort of like the percentage of um, passing plays that a um, a tight end is on the field. And then we've got that sort of broken up into roots, which is what we care about, and then pass blocking. So you can kind of see if a guy is on the field a lot, he's just pass blocking for a lot of it. And so that's a... Uh, where you get, let's say, Kate Otten. His, uh, he is on the field for almost 100% of the um, of the Tampa Bay Bucks uh, passing uh, downs. But because he's pass blocking for quite a bit of it, that brings his pass route down to uh, just over 70%. And then uh, what we have here on the left, if you're tracking over here, we have uh, targets per route run and ADOT. And, and it's sort of what we're trying to do is we're tr- trying to find out who's billed as a tight end but closer to a receiver. And so you see K. Dot in here, really low um, target per route run, and then um, pretty kind of tight endish uh, A. Dot too. And and that's not the shit on K. Dot or anybody who took K. Dot. I think that's kind of the outcome that you're sort of like you you were expecting that outcome when you, when you draft K. Dot. You're you're getting them super late. And you knew he uh, he wasn't kind of like he's not Travis Kelsey or anything, 
and, and, and you're hoping for a week where he scores a touchdown. But just kind of a um, a way that we look at this uh, at this data. Whereas on the other hand, um, that's it's actually quite difficult to find a uh, a tight end who looks like a tight end um, this week. But um, <laughs> let's say you've got a, uh, a TJ Hawkinson here. He um, he he had similar um, his similar routes run, but his uh, his routes were a lot more important. He, he got doubled, um, doubled over double the target for a run, um, and then you can kind of this chart does tell the story of a, a struggle week for uh, for tight ends a little bit because like normally what you're looking for you're looking for a guy who's maybe seventy five and ninety in root share. 20 some in the range of 20 per target per out run and then like a wide receiver ish 8 to 12 a dot and uh, we're not seeing that here and uh, but definitely uh some good uh good still good takeaways for the chart can i can i interest you in some luke musgrave at 17 percent targets per route run just about 80 percent routes and uh an 18 a dot um for sure definitely I think um, you, you run they, they, um, that is definitely really interesting. Um, so you probably you're probably not going to be able to sustain the uh, 18 yard uh, 18 a dot, but combined with a seven percent seventeen percent target per route run, um, and you've got the uh, you've got the high high root share, you feel pretty good about that tight end role, right? Yeah, you know, uh, some of the ones that stood out to me as, you know, I, I'm full on hitting the panic button for these guys. It's Dalton Schultz. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's just, like, not a playable tight end. You know, Dalton Schultz is the same thing as, like, oh, gosh, what's uh, what's the name of the blocking tight end for Minnesota that signed that big old contract? Yeah, but Dalton Schultz <laughs> is out here just running cardio. Like, 8% right. targets per route run, no dot. Like, woof. Um some some that I also saw where I was like a little concerned. I'm not like full on alarm for it's David and Joku. Uh, did a fair amount of pass blocking. Didn't run a ton of routes. Low eight dot. I mean, it was a monsoon game, so I don't really care that much. Mm-hmm. Um, the other uh, Isaiah Likely was a little disappointing. Everyone, you know, Isaiah Likely very disappointing. I thought. I, like, I think we saw enough last season from him to know that he's good, though. So I'm not. I think. I think I'm more willing to write this off as like it was a bad game. Um, it also, like, if, if we're thinking this might be more signal, uh, it could just be like, hey, they now have target earners here. Like, Zay Flowers is here, and he's going to earn targets. And Bateman is healthy. And even though Bateman didn't run a full complement of routes, you know, he, he wasn't on the field a ton, he still earned targets. Um, and so that might be, you know, if if Andrews misses time, maybe likely doesn't see that same significant right. increase in value that he saw that, that last does season. Become, that does seem the question, like because like I know people in their head they had like mental heuristic. Andrews goes down. Isaiah likely, basically Andrews, uh, and and just run with it. Um. So, I, I don't, wouldn't you say it, it's fair to say that that um idea is is it it feels like either that idea was was not correct or mark andrews um is in trouble 
because of, of, of the issues pushing that likely down here. I'm not ready to say Mark Andrews is in trouble because I no, I'm not either. I do think that he's, you know, he is just a better talent than Isaiah. Isaiah yeah, Likely right. is an exciting talent, but like he's not Mark Andrews. Um, so I'm, I, I'm more willing to just call this a, a bad game, maybe a little fluky, but I'm definitely, I'm filing it away in my mental filing cabinet of if Mark Andrews misses time, I'm going to have a lot lower confidence in Likely right. than I would have previously of like, it's a smash. Um, so right. How I, how I think about it. Um, well, speaking of guys that are smashes, um, we said there weren't a ton that kind of checked our boxes. Can I interest you in some Logan Thomas? Like 23% targets per route run, not a super exciting ADOT, but he was involved. That I'm just hoping that maybe that was like a little hiccup for Washington. Maybe Sam Howell can can string it together. The enemy can get some stuff figured out for that offense and they can get humming as the season moves along and Howell gets more real live reps in the NFL because dude's played two games now. Right. Um, so, you know, we, we can just kind of treat, it's not like, it's not like Sam Howell was sitting behind some great quarterback learning last season, you know, like not to crap all over Taylor Heineke, but it's not like he had all this time to develop behind one of the greatest minds in the game. You know, I, I think it's fair to expect that Howell might be a little raw um, and I think Logan Thomas is certainly interesting. Uh, I mean, the tight end landscape's a wasteland. So anyone getting over 20% targets per route run and being involved in the offense is one where I'm going to be at least a little interested. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And definitely, yeah, definitely. So I, I think maybe you disagree, but he solidifies himself as a kind of a late at tight end at target. And oh, I mean, I, I don't disagree because I think I'm sitting here with like 15% Logan Thomas. So, uh. <laughs> and the question would be in 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 resurrection stuff. And does this meaningfully change? Like, maybe maybe I, I'm thinking maybe this changes them from like uh, like maybe not maybe not draftable to uh, probably probably good in the 15th. I, I think the only reason he wasn't getting drafted was the injury concerns. I think right. people wanted people wanted that role potentially, right? There is I never really bought into the the enemy's tight end. It's gonna it's the Travis Kelsey role. It's like, no, it's not the Travis Travis Kelsey mm. is the reason that there's the Travis Kelsey right. role. You know, <laughs> like it's not it's not that whatever tight end plays in this offense is just a skeleton key, like he's gonna smash. Um but I do think he's interesting. I, I think Logan Thomas is interesting for sure. I mean, uh, yeah, it's definitely one where he should be drafted. Um, it's just still, there's the injury risk, you know, so he hasn't, hasn't stayed healthy for a long time. Right. Um, so, are, so then it sounds like maybe you're, uh, are, are, are you drafting him earlier? Than, yeah. Than, well, I so, take him a little earlier. He, he, I'd comfortably. Where, where would you, where would he become a target for you? It's it's on Howell teams that he's a target. I'm probably not taking him naked a ton, you know. Not um, it. But like, it, the late rounds don't matter. The ADP doesn't matter, you know. We're so, we're not good. The market's so bad. No, no pricing. So like, okay, for sure. Who, who cares? 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th. It's all it's the same, you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll take him anywhere in there where it, it just depends on my roster construction. What I right. need. If I if I need three late tight ends. And I'm like, okay, I really, I really want to make sure that I get Logan Thomas, and I want to make sure that I'm grabbing Adam Troutman because I'm a masochist. 
um, you know, like then sure I'll, I'll click them wherever I need to. And those right. But, but, um, you're taking my you're taking my spot where it's kind of like low uh, low opportunity cost. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. He's certainly not like moving up. He's not creeping up into like the right. third or, or something for me. Um. So um, I I guess the the one other player that we have to talk about is that Durham Smite, oh, where yeah. literally a hundred percent of pass plays and uh, was checking before it wasn't like there was some weird injury. That he was the only healthy tight end there. Like, no, that that's his role. He and um, maybe he's not a hundred percent all year. Um, but pretty like this is this is like in terms of like snaps and roots, this is like pretty much elite. And um, yeah. 14% target per out run is like a mediocre um tight end, I think. But at elite snaps, it's like holy like if that if that um if that holds, he's basically the late tight end of the season. Yeah, like, we should have we should have been drafting Durham Smythe, everybody. Um, and it it he it becomes it, for me a type of player like that becomes quite challenging because if if that just holds, then he's probably like I don't know, like a, a, honestly, a pretty strong like twelfth. 11 10th round target which that, that feels that feels aggressive but like i'm like just from the mats of it if that holds uh, and and like i don't see i don't see a, a compelling reason to think that it doesn't hold like i uh, yeah go I ahead. Say, i'd say as far as like his price i don't have uh high conviction in the market's ability to price all of the tight ends efficiently so if they price mm-hmm. Smythe efficiently, there's other guys that are priced inefficiently, and I just yeah. I won't take Smythe then. Um, so you know, the reason I'm th- I, I like I like to talk about um 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 these players in terms of like ADP and stuff like that, just because it for me and and this is I guess for everyone as well. For me, if uh, it feels like a way where it forces me to be honest. It forces me to compare players. It forces me to like really like get in the gut of like, okay, I'm I'm forced into a decision. What what do I do? Um, and it sounds like you're uh in in terms of Durant's might, um, you're like okay, that feels like it might be efficient to a tad aggressive, and it'll be easy for me to ignore that. And then if he's um. If he's much later than that, then smashing you all day long. Um, yeah. Um, and I, I, I completely agree with that. And uh, I, I think that that's, um, that's the way I, I, I would play it as well. Um, but I'm just, I'm just trying to come up with like a, uh, um, a way where I'm forced, I'm forced to put a number, on, or I'm, I'm forced to put something objective on a player. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. And yeah, so hypothetically, if he was going in in the twelfth round and without knowledge of assuming the market gets everyone efficient, right? Right. Then then I probably am taking some shots on him in the twelfth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm certainly going to be more prone to do it with Tua. I really want that tight end to quarterback correlation. I think it's super valuable. Yeah. Just, especially with Smythe, where what is such a large percentage of his fantasy points this season are going to come from touchdowns. 
So yeah. I just I just want those correlated with my quarterback. Um, so like in DFS, if I'm ever playing Durham Smythe, I'm never playing Durham Smythe without Tua, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, um, total sense. Yeah. And, and in best ball, like I'm probably not drafting a ton of Durham Smythe without Tua, but if he's like falling past ADP, I'm taking him. And, and yeah, if he's going in the twelfth. That's probably efficient because we end up with a lot of the gross guys that were more ambiguous in, in the 12th round. Like Dalton Schultz ain't going in the 12th anymore. You know, like no. that's that's gone. Um, another one I wanted to bring up, I, I could sit here and talk about Durham Smythe all day. Um, what do we do with Zach Ertz, man? What do we do about Zach Ertz? Um, it sort of feels like who, uh, who I wanted. Um, uh, what's his name? Who's the other tight end for the Cardinals? Oh my gosh. Trey yeah. McBride. Trey McBride. McBride. Thank you. Thank it, you. It feels like, um, no, thank you. <laughs> um, it feels like who we wanted uh, Trey McBride to be. Um, and again, it feels, um, it feels similar to, um, to what's his name, uh, Logan Thomas, where it's like this older guy, um, but elite role, like completely elite role and, and, and so hard to ignore. Um, Again, if if it's I, I think he's similar in that like where if you find yourself like just needing a late guy, and, and, and it's like he's gonna be a he's gonna be a target in teams where you need late tight ends, and um, but no, don't want to pay middle round prices. Yeah, my uh, my biggest so like weekly like Zach Ertz could be a great DFS, but I haven't seen the prices on on Ertz, but. Like he's he's the kind of guy where in a in a single week that could absolutely be a great you know tight end punt especially if he's cheap, um, but for for like a resurrection tournament, oh my goodness, am I really gonna bet on Zachers maintaining this role all the way through the season? Like that seems very thin to me. And so, I guess if you're taking it as an advanced rate play, like you could. Um, Stone men on that DraftKings, and it's uh, who are, who are Cardinals at next week? Um, let me tell you just now. Uh, Arizona are at home to uh, the Giants. Don't don't do me, bros. It's it's Zach Ertz hundred percent in the tight end slot. <laughs> DK this week, locking it in. Um, and so um, uh, actually not Stone men. I'm an idiot. He's thirty five hundred. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. That that was sorry, dumb. Uh, stone, stone men would have had me uh got me bricked up there for some stone men Zachers at thirty two percent targets per route run. <laughs> <laughs> um and then uh, Logan Thomas, he's thirty one hundred um at away to uh, at uh, Denver. Okay. Um and so I guess um given given the comparison, if if it does feel like you're stronger on um, on Thomas than uh, than Ertz. Is is that just the offense and and, and that you expect uh, I to think be better? Despite Thomas also being old, he's not as old as Zach Ertz, and he's also a better athlete. That he he has always been a better athlete than Zach Ertz, and so if I'm assuming both these guys are healthy, um, I think Thomas could deliver me a splash play. You know, I don't think. There's there's not a universe where Zach Ertz gets a breakaway touchdown. You know, <laughs> he's right. never gonna never gonna house one from uh, you know he, he could get some end zone targets, but he's not you know breaking away from 
Right, he was always to fall down, catching him fall down. And yeah. I, I mean, uh, maybe, I, maybe I'm, I'm being mean here. I think they're like only six months apart in age. Are they really? Oh my yeah. god! Wow. Um, I, I guess Logan Thomas just spent a lot of time injured. Then <laughs> he spent a lot of time injured and playing and trying to be a starting quarterback. Yeah, that and, and I, was he an old prospect coming in too? I think he might have been. Okay, that that would that would track. Like he started playing me. tight end at like twenty nine or thirty. Okay, or I know I know he was a, a converted quarterback, but that that makes sense. Um, the uh, the other I did want to I wanted to go and uh, and look at Hayden Hurst, who put up a fine box score this week. Right, um, wasn't yeah. wasn't on the field a ton, didn't run a ton of routes, um, but did I mean he was the leading target earner on that team. Um, and it, it might just end up playing out as the uh, the rookie quarterback safety blankie narrative, which right. uh, you know. I mean, I, I'll go out on a limb and say I think that like Hayden Hurst being the low at root root chair, high target guy doesn't it doesn't feel super sustainable. Like, okay. I mean, I, maybe maybe you want to disagree, and but it feels like those those types of um, combinations are normally like sort of gadget guys or uh, players that are like real tough matchups and uh, like maybe they're they're really big they go in the in in, in when they're on the end zone and um, Hayden Hurst he, he doesn't strike me as that type of like player and um, so I, I do I do have that that's one where I have a hard time like seeing sustain. I, I agree with you. If he if he runs this number of routes every week, yeah, I, I don't think it's sustaining. My my thesis for how how does Hayden Hurst continue to return fantasy mm-hmm. value would be that they see that dude we can't complete passes to anyone. You know, we got Terrace Marshall out here going two for six and like right. Are we really gonna throw more to Lavisca Chenault and like Adam Thielen like? They they just refuse to let Adam Thieler take his walker on the field, and he can't even make a break without it. So like maybe Hayden Hurst sees a little. Maybe bit he's more. the only target earner. Yes, that's maybe maybe he gets more routes and he's on the field more, um, just out of necessity is what I could see happening. But but it's also Chark was out this week, so maybe it's just Chark gets healthy and Hurst maintains this amount of route share, and he turns back into a pumpkin after week one. Um, yeah, that, that makes sense. And, and just uh, last one before we move on. Um, Laporta was interesting. Um, it, it, it's it's definitely if where you draft him, you're happy to see him. On the um, on the starting tight end chart, you're, uh, you're happy to see the 19% uh, target per run. Uh, you're you're probably not too pleased to see the uh, four a dot, um, but um, th- this feels like a, a sort of like a neutralish the ADP outcome for week one for Laporta, um, and 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 what you call it, maybe maybe may a slight a slight win in terms of like the, the rookie the rookie tight end he is playing. And and, and and perhaps as the season goes on, he, he, he does end up at the top of the chart. And, and if he can if he can keep the rest of his numbers and maybe increase his ADOT, 
and become a big win. Yeah, I, I mean, I I thought it was pretty bullish for Laporta to be because mm-hmm. you got to remember that 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 team, that organization, they they have been slow to bring on rookies. Yeah, in their offense, no, you're right. right. And so that's that was pretty strong signal to me that this is they they think this guy is a dude. Like they they want him right. on the field. They love Gibbs, and they barely played him. Whereas Laporta, Laporta, Laporta was earning targets, like he was he was involved often. The the low A dot is like. You'd love to see, you know, a higher A dot, but yeah, I I think the way that offense uh, is set up right now, before they get Jamison Williams back, which who knows how that's going to even work when, when Jamison's back, like is he even useful? Um, but right now they don't really have anyone that's a field stretcher that can operate in that deep, you know, those deep areas of the field. Like it's not Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones looked bad, and and Josh right. Reynolds. Josh Reynolds looked like Josh Reynolds. Uh, he was he's fine. He's serviceable. But do you think that Laporta could end up getting a higher A dot just out of necessity for the team to function? Like they they need someone to yeah. operate. Yeah, and there? I think uh, well, I think maybe I'm react. I, I'm probably at I'm saying four point two, and then it's it's like, well, he got five targets. Like talk about a small sample size. Yeah. Like, who, 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 maybe his true, maybe his true a dot right now is eight, even without any factors like being in at all. And then, yeah, the receivers absolutely stink. So, like, it, it, if he's any good at all, like, it, it, it pretty much becomes a necessity to involve him down the field. So, in uh, like in a resurrection tournament, you said you thought this was neutral, um, ish for his ADP. Yeah. Where you would you would be taking him at the same ADP in a resurrection tournament? Well, I was I was taking I was actually taking Laporta quite a bit already. So maybe maybe that's a maybe that's a misleading thing for me to say. And mostly on FFP, just to clarify. Yeah, mostly yeah, yeah, yeah. That was on FFPC, and which people forget is tight end premium. It's tight end premium, and and honestly, I I, I was thinking in terms of FFPC, which 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 was me a couple. That's not correct. Um, I wasn't drafting on uh, UD and uh, enough to know where 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 was Laporta going. He, uh, he had crept up a lot. He was like in the in the early one forties by the end of the draft season. Okay, so yeah, definitely definitely better than neutral. And yeah, I I, I think you're uh, you're happily taking him um tenth through twelfth. And, and, I was and I was going to say tenth is the high the high end as well. So we agree. Um. So yeah, me, me, that 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 was a misstatement by me. So I, I'm glad you, uh, you 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 pointed to that. It's okay. I, I know you have FFPC brain. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Um. So I think, um, I think we almost have to skip the um the backup tight end chart. And I do have I have two. I'll, we'll keep it. Okay. I'll, yeah. I'll keep this tight on this one because I know we've been almost two hours now, but yeah, uh, there's two that stood out here to me. One was Friar Muth. This is noise. He got injured. He, he hurt his chest. He came back. He's fine. It, he, he'll have way Great more calls. Runs. So Pat Friar Muth start still a starting tight end. Yeah. Don't, don't panic on Friar Muth. The other one is absolutely elite targets per route run. Jake Ferguson, 43%. And if you <laughs> watch the game, this was intent. Like, 
Ferguson was an early read in the progression. It was, right. there was a lot of stuff for Ferguson. Um, and it's, I thought there was a chance that the Cowboys tight end mm-hmm. role would change with Kellen Moore leaving. It did not. The role is the same. That is mm-hmm. always going to be the safety blanket outlet. You know, that's, that is, that is the, you know, low a dot, but, high volume role that we've right. seen Cowboys tight ends have. For and, and we're seeing him on the backup tight end chart here. And, but that's probably, they were up by so much. They, yeah, it, he, he did not play a ton when we were just running Rico Dowdle, you know, straight right. up the middle or, uh, you know, given, <laughs> I loved Cavante Turpin just out there getting like carries in the second half. We, we had him early as some, in some gadgety stuff. It's like, let's throw Kavante Turpin out there in the second half. Get him some more carries. Let's throw Deuce. Deuce Vaughn made an appearance. It was a great day to be a Cowboys fan, man. I was thoroughly enjoying myself week one. I'm uh, I'm very happy for you, but we do have to talk about wide receivers. We do. And these charts are, these are uh, charts that are pretty dense with information. So I'm going to dive right into it. I'll, I'll kind of explain what these are. These are going to be the wide receiver opportunity charts uh, versus fantasy points. So the y-axis, the y-axis is going to be noisy this week. It's just one week of sample. It's the fantasy points they scored this week. Yeah. The x-axis is their weighted targets per route run. Uh, I can't remember if anyone ended up over 100% weighted targets per route run, but that is possible with weighted targets per route run, um, just because we're we're also incorporating the depth of target in there um and, and so you can see right away brandon i you is that he's, he's a notorious he breaks he breaks i believe, uh, I believe he does break the next chart yeah um i you obviously looked elite there was drumbeat on him all off season that he was he's going to take the next leap week one certainly looks that way i'm i'm not ready to crown him yet as like the wide receiver one on that team i think the way that team's points get distributed every week. Puka. Is, is, it, is it Puka or Puka? Puka. Puka Nakua. Puka. And yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I, I was just rambling about Ayuk. I, I think it's going to be pretty highly variant, though, the way that the Niners points get distributed. You know, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Ayuk and Debo literally switch, you know, places on these charts in, in future weeks. I think it's going to be very highly variant. Um, but I that's not to take anything away from IUQ. It's probably a smash at his price in drafts and should go higher in resurrection tournaments. Right. Uh, Puka, let's talk about Puka though, because that's gonna be that's one that people have to make decisions on on waivers, and that's a that's an interesting one. Yeah, um it it it, it is an interesting one in that like, you know, um it was sort of a re- it was sort of a reason that um he uh, he was going so late, and um, but then when you see him play so well in the NFL, um, you you, you do have to respond. Um, when you see someone get um get a ninety percent root share, this despite their injury to Cup, and um, you see um heavily targeted, it's. It's hard. It, it's really hard to fade a uh, receiver who's getting high root share and high uh, target per route run, like because there's not a lot of room to like uh, shit on that. Um, and 
it's it's one of those things where I I I always I I do always feel uncomfortable betting on these like guys out of nowhere, um, but I think it's like you get you get opportunities like this so few and far between that he is someone where if 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 I've got some injuries at wide receiver already, um, I I think I do want to be quite uh quite aggressive on on getting him. I think that's how you have to play it. You don't have if you have injuries at wide. If you need wide receiver starters, you don't really have the luxury to be like, oh, well, what if? <laughs> right. Puka Nahua? No, that's not for real. Like, I don't think you have the luxury to do that. You just have to, you know. There, there's a probability where the bet doesn't hit and he turns back into a pumpkin. But there's also an outcome where even after Cooper Cup comes back this is the wide receiver two in the offense. And it's an offense that hasn't had a wide receiver two in years. And it, it could be a guy that, you know, we, we, uh, we look back on at the end of the season. It's like, how did we miss this? Like this. Right. So I, I don't think you have the luxury of, uh, of waiting patiently on Puka Nakua. He, he arrived in too big of a way in week one. You just, if you need him, you got to be pretty aggressive on it. I think so. Yeah, uh, I agree. Aaron, Aaron in the chat asked how much fab on Puka. What do, What do you think? I'm I'm still undecided. Um, I'm like I'm I'm probably uh, not the best. I I am not as good uh, as a uh, 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 Steph or a resident um, sort of uh, fab queen. Um, so whatever she says uh, after this is is the right answer. Um, but I think, uh, especially if you're, uh, especially if you need a receiver, like I think, honestly, like fifty to sixty percent is is like fine. I I was in my head, I had like 30, 35 percent, but you you might be, you know, like if if what we saw is like not too crazy of a ceiling game for Puka, if it's like, nah, this guy's just gonna get. Tar- he's earning targets. Right. You're you're not wrong. Like it, you should spend sixty percent on a player like that. So I, I guess it comes down to like knowing the league that you're in and what they're gonna yeah. pay to get Puka. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 You you, you don't want to feel like the idiot who um who paid sixty when the next highest bid was that uh, was twenty seven or something like that. And um, but I, I'm I, I'm more trying to think of like what's an efficient bid. Um, and I think that's right. Um, but it's like you said, you do have to um you do have to, to be careful that you're not uh that you're not overestimating your uh, your league mates. Guys that I am uh, am looking at here is like a potential buying opportunity. So my goodness, did Ryan Ryan Tannehill looked atrocious, like really, right. really bad. Um but DeAndre Hopkins is I, I think he's still fine. Uh, I think uh, I think you definitely. I mean, I don't really know how the quarterback play improves a ton. If they, I don't think they make a switch and get better quarterback play, right? So I think you're just you're just banking on Ryan Tannehill to come back and show that he's a competent NFL quarterback, which he has been. He's he's supported high end receivers before, so I think just like chalk game one up as a bad game and be willing to say DeAndre Hopkins is still you know, getting elite weighted targets per route run 
and uh, are, are you still bu- are you buying um that are, are not still are you buying i see trail and burks hanging out here with the uh with the cardio club and <laughs> uh, nuke way ahead of them like you pointed out and, and, and that sort of like would feed into this narrative of like you know nuke he's going to earn so many targets that there's nothing left for burks um i i I I I'm maybe stubborn. Um, I feel a hard. I have a hard time buying it. Are are you um, are you buying that differential? No, I I think that Burks is going to creep much closer to Hopkins. I think what we're seeing is that he had an injury and he they they were easing right. him back. You know, um, I, I don't I don't think that sticks. Um, and also like last season got derailed for him too because of injury. So it's right. I, I just think we're still we're still early in the Traylon Burks, you know, career arc. And, and right. he, he absolutely, we almost were getting the breakout last season. And then mm-hmm. he got knocked into an alternate dimension, you know, and concussed right. in the end zone on that play. And so I, I think that we could still see like, I, I, I can see it pretty clearly like that there's a week where, the trail on Burks has arrived game happens. It's like, Holy shit. Like Trey, why, how did this guy ever fall to the ninth round? Like that was, a right. mistake, you know? Um, so we're buying the, the trail and Burks dip is what we're saying. And yeah. I agree. Yeah. I think we're buying the trail and Burks dip um, guys that I'm in, in that cardio club range where I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm good off that. Oh man, Drake London is so scary to me. If he dips enough, I'm just gonna take shots on the talent and like assume I, I'm in my mind the way I'm gonna sell myself on when I click Drake London in Best Ball Resurrection is that they won't it won't be like week one every week. They can't possibly throw this few passes. There have to be more passes. That's what I'm telling myself. Um to be able to click Drake London. And if you get a deep enough discount, I think the talent is elite elite to where it could pay off in a huge way. Um, so I just, I pray that the market overreacts aggressively. Yeah. I, I just don't want the market to middle it. I don't want to be yeah. staring down like sixth round Drake London, wondering if I'm supposed to click him. I want to be looking at like ninth or 10th round Drake London and, and getting it in and feeling great about it. Um, or, or him sitting like in the fifth and I just don't, do it sounds a little bit like you do you this that game negatively and, and we talked about it with Ritter and but still at a, at a cheaper price you're just as excited to uh to bet on that 99% all outcome yeah I, I I am I I'm pretty sure that I lose a lot of the time on the bet Listen, we, we, we Martingale yeah, it's it's one of the bets where when it pays off, like that's why I'm making the bet. Because when it pays off, it pays off in such a crazy way. Like there's there's an outcome where Drake London's a second round pick next season. You know, like Drake London mm-hmm. goes for twelve hundred and ten touchdowns this season. Like it's in the range. It doesn't happen often. I don't I don't think it's very likely. But that can happen for Drake London in a way where it can't happen for other guys in this quadrant, for example. Like, that can't happen for Van Jefferson. That is not in the range. No. Like, that that can't happen. Like, even Marquise Brown, who I think is a very good receiver, like, without a trade, like, that can't happen for Marquise Brown. Right. That offense won't score 10 touchdowns total, you know? Like, um, another, uh, another guy I wanted to bring up here um, 
what what do you think about George Pickens, who's also in this quadrant, um, you know, floating near teammate Allen Robinson, and then you've got his other teammate Deontay dealing with the hamstring. Um, what do you how do you view George Pickens going forward? Um, I think Pickens is is a hard one, um, because you do you do have the noise about um, and I I think we we talked about this before with Pickens that you have the the the, the off season chatter that like oh this guy doesn't separate and then you, you get in and, and then his targets weren't actually not great that last year and then you get in week one and again targets not great um I think um maybe just because he 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 is he has been so good at a at, at kind of jump balls that you do want to you do want to be a, a little bit patient like definitely for me um it, it's a it's a point in the negative so like dropping them down slightly um but it's like it's still in a sort of range it's close enough to the middle of the range like it's it's not that far from cd lamb for example um where um you can still see okay what if that's just the bottom of the range um, and uh, go, going forward, uh, if 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 what's his name Pickett can pick it up. Now, granted, I I I I went on, on on record of saying that I'm not too confident in that. Um, Pickens could be a good pick. Um, but yeah, I I, I think I think you sort of need like you probably need a round round and a half sort of discount. On um on ADP and, and and given that um but I guess you you do have a caveat that it's week one and that that could just be a true outlier for him. Yeah, I uh, I wanted to. Uh, Aaron in the chat asked, "Are we hoping Bateman outlasts OBJ? He once seemed promising, but seems third fiddle." Um, if you look at the target, OBJ was on the field a ton, and Bateman was not. But OBJ didn't really earn a bunch of targets. I believe Bateman's going to be on a uh, another chart here, um, right? Because he didn't get a ton of snaps. But uh, I, I do want to dovetail that into their teammate um, Zay Flowers, who, if Week One was any indication, Zay Flowers was grossly mispriced in drafts. Yeah. Um, like I think the efficient Zay Flowers should have been going right around where like brand, you know late four, four or five turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was not. So that's one where I'm pretty sure the market's going to correct too hard. The market's going to correct, um, you know, to the upside for him um, just because he's a rookie. He's exciting. And now we, we're starting to see, yeah. oh, they want to use this guy. Um, but that was one where looking at the usage, I mean, he's getting carries like they're, they're manufacturing touches for him. Like, right. And he, he looked good, you know, um, so that's an exciting one. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and given um, given that's a nice kind of segue to the next chart. Um, oh, there's I, there's our chart breaker. There's Tyreek over a hundred percent weighted targets for row. <laughs> yeah, I'll 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 hail um our, our merciless overlord. Um. So yeah, I think that this one you, you get at uh, this one's like this chart is sort of interesting in that 
you get these guys that are, are, are very much starters and and then they are, are, are wildly efficient with their roots. Uh, you get those kind of four guys, uh, yeah, four guys even including uh, Nico Collins. Honestly, uh, very efficient uh, in terms of their target earning. And then you get um, you get a lot of other guys sort of bunched around. Um, I think um, the most interesting ones to me are Jalen Waddle, uh, very sort of average with his uh, way to targets per rat run. Just do not expect that to continue uh, into the rest of the year. Um, and then Elijah Murr, that 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 feels um, that feels maybe maybe I'm wrong to be disappointed. It feels a, a little bit disappointing just because I thought that if he was getting this kind of root share, that um, he'd be earning targets a little better than that. But may, maybe that's just a kind of a week one thing. I think it might be a week one thing and just a function of the game. They were, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not ready to to write off Elijah Moore yet. Um, I also think that Jalen Waddle, when we think about Jalen Waddle, you know, him him getting so many fewer weighted targets per route run than we'd expect is a direct function of Tyreek just dominating the game, right? Yeah. Um, I've got a really gross hot take for you if you want to hear it. Yeah. It's, it's that a Nico Collins, Robert Woods, CJ Stroud double stack is going to win a Millie maker this season. <laughs> I, I kind of, I don't, I mean, it feels like a hot take, but I don't, I don't know that it's that uh, crazy. In my opinion. Right. What you're, you're, you're talking about with like low to middle salaries, right? I'm talking about they're super cheap and I just play the vomit stack and I end up jamming in the studs right. spots that I, I want to be able to fit into one lineup. And they do just enough. You know, Nico gets double-digit targets again. Robert Woods gets double-digit targets. And I uh, laugh my way to the bank. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, and another thing – so I don't – one thing that I normally look for on this chart is guys who, uh, who sort of jump off the page a little bit uh, and – are, are sort of unheralded and how do I say this demanding a higher root share. I don't, I don't see a lot of that here. A lot of the players I see here are just kind of like borderline starter cardio club guys. And uh, very disappointing to see. Uh, well, not that disappointing. Chase Claypool and um, not earning targets. Josh Palmer, DPJ, Paris Campbell, Quez Watkins, MBS, um, they all seem like very th- those kind of like field stretcher, borderline starter, but not um, not important pieces of their offenses. Um, th- that that's kind of what that says to me. The two that I'm willing to uh, to say might might uh, not be accurately represented just in the week one sample that we have here is I think that Elijah Moore that we touched on earlier and Brandon yeah. Cook both look like guys where given given the game script that they were in neither team really needed to pass a ton neither you know and i think elijah moore is going to be elijah moore is kind of like the zay flowers role of the browns i think he definitely could fill that niche i he he might not do it in the 
way that we saw Zay do it in week one where he's just going to get so much. But I think that maybe he's a Zay Flowers light. Um, and then I think Brandon Cooks, just in the the little bit that we saw where he got targets for the Cowboys, he did have, I'm not sure if you watched the whole game, he had a, he had a really deep ball thrown to him where he drew a pass interference call. Um, I, I mean, that's like yeah. – Cook special that that also is like the Michael Gallup special is just run run straight and like pray that we get past interference. Uh, I, 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 I I am I don't think uh, Brandon Cooks is in the uh, the cardio club section of this, and I agree with you. Where oh, he's oh you're talking about cardio club guys? My apologies. Yeah, um, I I think he's definitely in the range where um, you know it's close enough to good where. And the small sample size, where where you could see, you could still that be it's quite an excellent season for him. Yeah, uh, but yeah, going back to your your cardio club guys that you were dogging. Yeah, I I agree with you. None of these are ones where I'm super excited and and where I see them earning a lot more. I think these are all right. gonna they're they're kind of dusted. Yeah, I, I I shit on MVS in the season. I I, I sort of took stabs at Quez or IP. I wrote an article and took stabs on Chase Claypool or IP and not, not very many people taking Josh Palmer. And so he, he was kind of a already RIP. Um, and so um, if it's okay with you, just cause we're into uh, two hours. And yeah. We're, we're past the two hour mark. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. chart has some really interesting guys. You want to talk about guys that are going to earn their way to more, uh, more routes. Um, I mean, Rashid Shahid, Jordan Addison, and uh, I think the Romeo Dubs is burying the lead for Jaden Reed, in my opinion. Um, I think that I like a lot of these guys that are in this yeah. quadrant. Um, yeah. Even even Calvin Austin. I mean, I got a lot of Calvin Austin from best ball drafts, but I the Deontay Johnson injury opens the door for Calvin Austin way earlier than I anticipated it would be open. Yeah, And when you consider the fact that now we're before I was thinking the path to Calvin Austin playing was he's going to need to beat out Allen Robinson and it's not hard to beat him out, but you know, what makes it way easier when Deontay Johnson is back and healthy for Calvin Austin to usurp uh, Allen Robinson for that third wide receiver role is game to see them both on the field at the same time, (laughs) (laughs) getting to see Allen Robinson, just trot his ass out there and watch Calvin Austin actually display some legit burner speed and maybe deliver a couple splash plays. Like I think he's going to be hard to keep off the field. Um, yeah, I I, I agree with that. Um, I think with Jaden Reed, Dobbs, um, and I don't think they're true like backup guys. I I I think that was one where that probably was one where they were quite a good bit ahead. Um. That does feel quite encouraging for the uh, for the Packers offense. Um, I'm I'm not I, I think I'm 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 absolutely saying that the the JSN stuff week one noise. Um, one I'm I'm more than happy to bury Sky Moore. It's actually quite interesting that his uh his root share was so low, and his uh weighted targets per route run is so low. Um, that one feels like uh, he's he's that that that's not good. I'm uh, I'm good to I'm good to move on from Sky Moore. I, I think that yeah. he's we we 
the Skymore experiment is done. Is he a cut in a redraft and 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 sort of like undraftable in a resurrection? He's oh cooked. God, I I guess it depends in redraft. I I don't I really don't want to cut him just because no one really no one on that offense has asserted right. themselves as like the guy. So I probably just want to have it as a I want the lottery ticket for right. Give him one more week. Yeah. Um, oh man, you know who? I mean, I mentioned this earlier. Holy shit, Christian Kirk is going to be yeah. bad. Um, I mean, not like it's not going to be the same week one every week for Christian Kirk. My, I, I should have been eating my own cooking on this because I kept saying the Calvin Ridley price is untenable because the way this offense is is like it's consolidated between but it's four guys. It's Evan Ingram. Mm -hmm. It's Calvin Ridley. It's Zay Jones. It's Christian Kirk. It's going to be those four. And it's, it's going to be kind of like the Niners offense in that you don't know who's going to, who's going to be the whack-a-mole pop-up receiver in the given week. I didn't anticipate it being um, so bad for Christian Kirk though. Like I, I really, I thought that Zay Jones was a good click at ADP and I started course correcting and taking a lot more of him near the end of the summer as I, let that take kind of cooking the the brain oven for a little bit, but I didn't correct. Kirk was falling at the same time. And I, and you know, the Calvin Ridley team had gotten crazy. It's like, cool. I'll just, I'll get both Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. And one of these has to be right. Well, the cheaper ones looking more right right now. And the prices on Christian Kirk are, are looking bad. So uh, that's what I'm kind of scared of. Yeah. I, I agree. Uh, definitely scary performance. Um, did we talk about um, Bateman um, just in connection with uh, – oh, yeah, there he is. Bateman. Yeah, we, we mentioned him briefly last uh, on the last chart where he wasn't there. But, yeah, I, I think that Bateman is uh, – you, you talked about guys that are going to earn their way into more – targets i think that he's one of those guys he only had well he's in the 30s for snaps right um 30 snaps or something like that and he ended up with three targets so uh and i think bateman is good i believe that bateman is is a good nfl receiver um he hasn't yeah. been healthy very much so it's hard to to know but we've got very limited sample where we've seen him deliver explosive plays um and he, he's, you know, he's not able to participate a ton in the offseason program. So I the story I'm telling myself is that this is just him getting worked in to a brand. It's a brand new offensive system. You know, you're, you're not going to throw this guy out here for 100 percent of snaps week one. And I think what we see is Odell Beckham's snaps decrease and Bateman's increase. And because I think, I mean, we saw Beckham not earn many targets um, because Bateman is going to be more of a target earner than Beckham. I think we see that start to come out of that Zay Flowers uh, share right. just, just a little bit. I think this is a fine, this is an okay to like, it's, it's not the, the target sort of target uh, for that run that you're, you're looking for. And, um, but it's, it's fine. And then um, if you look at stuff like he did have two yards per route run, which is pretty good. Um, and then um, is, like you said, he, he, he got three targets on like a, a smallish um, root chair. Definitely feels like something where maybe the, maybe the injury is, is something where they're, they're 
bringing him back into the offense. Um, but so it, it, it sort of encouraged, especially at the price you were getting, sort of encouraging uh, in terms of like him returning to injury and, and returning to the player that you were getting before. Yeah. Hey, I, I had one more that I have a question for you on. Okay. What are, what are we doing with Braxton Berrios? Because uh, he was he was more involved than uh, I anticipated him being involved. I thought he'd be involved. I did draft a tiny bit of Braxton Berrios. Um, but what are what are we doing there? Um, I don't think I'm ever starting him in in in, in redraft. And. Uh, my, my team is cooked if I'm starting him. Um, I think um, the, the news is that he's consolidated the third wide receiver role better than anybody did last year, uh, which is quite good. Um, I think that you still have this problem if uh, if you're trying to get your third wide receiver where uh, the, the Dolphins third, third wide receiver where – Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle are just going to command so many targets that it, it does make it hard for Braxton Berrios. Maybe he's maybe Braxton Berrios is like a t- contingent play, like a really like limited contingent play. Um, I think that I'm probably interested. He's probably one of those kind of late round uh, guys where now that I know who the third uh, receiver is, when I have Tua. I'm I'm happy to click him late. Um I think that he's probably like if if he's like the minimum price for DraftKings, uh I'm happy to put him in a two stack. Um but not uh I'm I I'm not I'm not buying that he's gonna be like a like a top what thirty wide receiver or anything like that. Yeah, uh, and I I agree with that assessment. I if you told me that I was allowed to play Braxton Berrios plus River Craycraft in one slot and get the points for them, then I'm really interested. Um, but right, yeah, I think I think between the two of them, it's not they're not going to consolidate enough of a role um, in in either one to be super interested, but. I, just, I thought it was was worth talking about um, yeah. because that that third wide receiver spot had been murky, and that is an offense that is exciting. Yeah, um, so yeah, Barry Oates, he got twenty nine roots. Um, uh, River Crackcraft, or what is his name? Crack River Craycraft. Craycraft, that's how you say it. Was sixteen, and um, so yeah, I. I, I Honestly, I thought when I'd seen him in the uh, in the kind of like 60 to 60, I thought if I'm reading this right, uh, Berrios in the 60 to 65 percent and fruit share. I'm like that. That seems somewhat consolidated and and, and feels more consolidated than it was last year. Definitely, you're right. It's still it's still not it's still not high enough. Where like it's it's not you're not talking about Tyler Boyd at third wide receiver consolidation and, and the two receivers ahead of him are such strong target earners that yeah. you you really you need it to be braxton barrios plus river craycraft form voltron to be the dolphins wide right. receiver three um, so it, 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 um let's say uh, zero ownership and um, the slate sets up for 
and you 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 have max um you have high salary guys that you want to fit in you really like and you got your two a stack I, I i assume that's is that something where uh, even with low ownership that you're that you're interested in, in Barrios? I'd, I'd much rather play it through uh, Durham Smythe, right? I mean, yeah. assuming that yeah. his his price is reasonable. Um, but like, I yeah. wouldn't I wouldn't x him out if I wanted to have a lot of two stacks. You know, I'd I'd sprinkle. Makes one sense. Just to, just to no, I I think that makes sense. Where like it's still not consolidated enough, even at, even at, at low prices where you're you're running to uh, you're running to play it. I, th- I think that's a fair point. Yeah, very, very. Ex- I know we briefly touched on Jordan Addison, and we don't need to spend a ton of time on him because we're coming up on two and a half hours. But <laughs> Jordan Addison's gonna smash, guys. Um, if you if you can still acquire Jordan Addison in a in a redraft league, go get him. Um, that offense is gonna pass the ball so freaking much. I mean, what they threw 75 percent of their plays are pass plays, and we we just talked about how bad. Alexander Madison is like, and their defense is atrocious. Uh, like Baker Mayfield went out and beat him, you know. And I, I do like Baker, but yeah, Jordan Addison is going to be insane. That guy's he's good. Um, definitely agree. Uh, pretty bullish for uh, Addison there. Um, so I think, um, I think for our all, all, uh, all one of our listeners who's uh, who's left. <laughs> I appreciate you taking the the ride with us, um, and uh, I I think I think we, we we finish it there, right? Yeah, I, I think I think it's time to land the plane. So uh, yeah. thanks thanks everybody. It was a very fun uh, inaugural stat chasing episode for me, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to to seeing you guys next week on Tuesday with uh, some more charts. Um, yeah, yeah, really enjoyed doing the show. Uh, um wow we have two i i i underplayed it and uh, double uh, double the amount of listeners oh, we thought oh let's go we got Give three and <laughs> <laughs> uh, appreciate it wow i uh, appreciate you guys uh staying on with us um and uh, really enjoyed doing the show really looking forward to seeing uh next week double the sample size and uh, we'll, we'll see you next week